VHS files contain spoilers, adult content, and harsh language. Listener discretion is advised. It's showtime. Welcome to the VHS Files Podcast with Jenny Lou. So what do you want to do tonight? Jason. What about pizza and movie night? Eric. I want to rent a movie. And Josh. I want to go to a good video store so I can get a good movie. And this is the movie of the week. Let's get this pizza movie night started. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the VHS Files. Hiya. Let's get this pizza movie night started. Yeah. Quickly, right? Well, how's everybody doing? Let's catch up since last week. I know that all of us have started watching Attack on Titan. Dude, I'm obsessed. And it's all my girlfriend's fault. She made me a monster. I'm a Titan. I'm addicted. It's her fault. (laughs) (laughs) Jennifer, you listen to this. You've caused all of this shit. I started it. I'm I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. How far are you, Josh? I've only gotten a couple episodes. episodes in so so far, but um, I'm getting a real Game of Thrones feel from it for some reason. Dude. I don't know why I think that, but wait, wait. <laughs> I'm in se- I'm on season three, like episode seven, and there's like forty something episodes in season three. You were on season two like three days ago, man. Dude, I've been. You're flying. Dude. But uh, let's move on to what we're doing this week, people. What we got going on? Well, this week, we, we last week we spun the Wheel of Death or the Wheel of Movies, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> and it landed on An American Werewolf in London, um, directed by John Landis. Uh, he kind of has a crazy movie career, I think. Um, He's he, all over the place? Yeah, a little bit. Um, he started out his career directing Schlock. Not the kind of movie, but like the actual movie Schlock. You know, like Schlock. Uh, it's Schlong? it's apparently I I don't know too much about it. I think it's like a Bigfoot sort of thing, but I didn't do my research on that one. I thought it was about a detective. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Schlock Holmes. But he also uh, before American Werewolf in London had done a Kentucky Fried Movie, Animal House, Blues Brothers. And then after American Werewolf in London, which ended up being a big success for him, we'll go over that in a minute, he would go on to do Trading Places, Spies Like Us, Three Amigos, Coming to America. Thriller. Yeah, he directed Thriller, which I'm going to talk about here in just a few minutes. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop 3, the worst of the Beverly Hills Cop movies. That is a bad movie. But um, there's some controversy that surrounds John Landis because of uh, the um, spot he directed in the Twilight Zone. Mm -hmm. And we can get into that here in just a couple minutes if we want to. But um, this movie was released August 21st, 1981, with a budget of $5.8 million. Can anybody give me the box office? $62 million! $62 million bucks. It was uh, a big success. (laughs) Huge. Um, well, for back then, <laughs> 81, 62 right. million. Nowadays, it's kind of like, hey, we might make a sequel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, you know, going back to 81 and, and seeing what was uh, out around this time, it was released amongst the likes of the animated uh, movie he- Heavy Metal. That's uh, West, I believe Wes Craven's movie Deadly Blessing. I think that's a Wes Craven movie. Arthur, um, Blowout, and another werewolf movie, Wolfen. And The Howling. And the Howling came out yep. in '81. Yep. So, um, yeah, I mean, we can kind of get into talking about John Landis a little bit after we uh, go back in time. Eric, let's go to 1981. We're sending 
Send you back in time. <laughs> <laughs> Too much energy, Eric. Calm <laughs> Sorry, the fuck down. Well, Josh. <laughs> In 1981, Lay's bet us we can't eat just one, and the U.S. Army encouraged us to be all that we can be. Uh, the cost of a gigabyte of data storage in 1981 would set you back $300,000. Put that in perspective, uh, today it would cost about $2. That's pretty wild. Uh, Sandra Day O'Connor became the first female U.S. Supreme Court justice. Yay. You go, girl. And, uh, oh, since we're talking about London today, we have to mention the wedding of the century, Diana and Prince Charles. Pretty big deal there, 1981. Uh, Actually, that reminds me, my uncle is one of those bus drivers that circles Big Ben in London. Yeah, he works around the clock. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome, everybody. And finally, there was definitely something in the air in 1981. Hit it, Josh. It's a great Phil Collins song. I love Phil Collins, man. I'm always rocking some Phil Collins. All right. Let's go ahead and get to the movie of the week. The movie of the week. Sorry I'm upsetting you, David, but you don't understand what's going on. I understand, all right. You're one of the undead, and I'm a werewolf. Yes, that's right. David, stop! I'm going to the police! Jack was right! Jack is dead! Yeah, Jack is dead, and six people are dead. There's going to be a full moon tonight. I'm going to the cops! Oh, be serious, would you? So, American Werewolf in London, does anybody have any stories? Anything that you uh, attach to this film when you think about it, or was it something later in life? Um, let's start with Jason tonight, since he's the werewolf guy. Oh, me. Well, uh, I mean, the movie came out, I think I was, how old was I then? Four, so I did not see it when it came out, even on VHS. It was definitely later in life. Uh, I think I remember renting this after seeing Thriller on MTV. And saw the werewolf thing, and then seeing the making of Thriller, and with John Landis, and they were talking about this movie he made called American Werewolf in London. Well, and, I'll go ahead and just jump in, and yeah. we'll, we'll have the same conversation because this is exactly where I'm going yeah. as well. But that's how like, I got into watching the movie. So. Yeah, I, the making of Thriller was exactly what drew me into wanting to see this movie when I was a kid. Um, from watching the makeup effects and everything, and they showed clips of this movie within the making of Thriller, so I was just. Like, I had never seen the movie. I'd never heard of John Landis. Didn't know what any of that stuff meant. I just know that he made this movie, and I was super into it at that point, just seeing the little clips and hearing them talk about it and the makeup effects that went with Thriller and all that good stuff. So that's how I ended up seeking it out was through through the making of Thriller. Yeah, that's what I did, too. And, I mean, 
I've always loved werewolf movies. I mean, it's cool that in this movie we're about to talk about, they actually referenced the 1941 Lon Chaney Jr. Wolfman mm-hmm. movie, and that's yep. one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm always, I mean, sitting here with my Lon Chaney Wolfman. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I've been trying to get Josh to do Wolfman movies on our horror section, but I got lucky on the spin this week that we're going to talk wolf wolf stuff here on the main show. So I'm excited. <laughs> We get to do this, but yeah, uh, yeah I, I love this movie since I finally saw it. I mean, I, it was one of the ones I actually begged my mom to rent because I mean, it, it's an adult movie, but my mom loved Blues Brothers and Animal House, so she's like, We'll give it a run. And she's like, This is totally different than those movies. Yeah, <laughs> she was like, This is definitely not the movies I thought it would be. So, mm-hmm. but love it, it's great. And Rick Baker. What can we say? Absolutely. That man. We've mentioned Rick say? Baker on here before. Yep. Between him and Stan Winston, that's my childhood. They've created yep. all of it. So. Absolutely. Eric, how about you? Not one I saw as a child. Um, mm-hmm. Saw this later in life. Um, yeah, I've, I've only seen this a handful of times, actually, and um, I enjoyed it. Same here. I think Same the here. most on, on mm-hmm. this watch, um, coming back to it, and... I don't know. Some movies just get better as you watch them. For for me, especially, I yeah. uh, I don't know what it is with my brain, but the more I watch a movie, the more I like it. Sometimes, and uh, no, I don't really have a big history here, other than just knowing Rick Baker and knowing I knew about all the effects and had seen all the effects before I ever saw the movie. You know, just because it's so legendary. But um, yeah, other than that, uh, yeah, just not terribly important in my history. A good watch. All right. Jenny, I, I'm fairly certain I know the answer to this. You probably haven't didn't see it until maybe I had you watch it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the same as Eric. You know, I didn't see it when I was a kid and have only seen it. I don't know. Maybe this was my third watch, maybe, mm-hmm. is what I'm thinking. Uh, so not one that was repeated mm-hmm. at all. But, like, Eric, I I really enjoyed it this time. Like, it was just like a super enjoyable time watching it. Yeah. I mean, that was the biggest thing I remember seeing this as a kid was I didn't have that dry sense of humor, which this movie has. Oh yeah. Um, so when I was a kid expecting to see a straight up horror movie and seeing this movie with this weird British humor injected into it was really odd for me, but it was striking enough with the, the dream sequences we'll get into and the makeup effects that it was just one of those that always stuck in your head. Uh, I don't want to get into that until we start really talking about the movie, but there are certain scenes in this movie that you will never forget for whatever reason. Like, yeah, I mean, some of the, some of the best jump scares in history, in my opinion, are in this movie. Oh, dude, there's parts of this that stuck with me for years as a child seeing it, man. It, it, it scared me. I mean, it does it now. I mean, as with Josh, we're kind of, immune to being scared we've seen so many horror movies but back then it's definitely right up there with like my phantasm experiences and stuff like that that this movie sticks with you those jump scares yeah. and they're still good i mean watching it uh today for this still great and i can't yeah. count how I many agree. times i've seen it so well let's go ahead and get into it i mean we start with the opening shots with blue moon in the background that's one thing i never noticed as a kid was how all the songs in this movie have moon in the title and are referencing <laughs> yeah. the moonlight and all yeah, of that I love stuff. That. Boy, I, um, I've never thought I've how perfect is that credence song? I, right. I mean, when mm-hmm. that hits, we'll get there, but 
I mean, I, I've never seen that Creedence song in that light before, how you can kind of change the meaning of a song by putting yeah. it in a different context. Oh, yeah. It's, it's pretty fun. Yep. All the music and, is uh, nice. Yeah, the music is good. Uh, the score as well, like um, specifically in the dream sequences, I really like the music that is, that is behind those. Um, these opening shots of the moors too, just kind of the, the landscape of where we are and all that is beautiful. Like mm-hmm. it... It sets the scenery very well, and then um, we're introduced to Jack and uh, David hitching a ride in the back of a truck with some sheep. <laughs> Dude, uh, the idea sheep. of backpacking across Europe is it's crazy amazing. for me. Like, like I no yeah. terrifying. Oh, it sounds like an absolute adventure to me, and it's something that you know obviously is past that. Yeah. for me anyway <laughs> that opportunity but that just seems like such a cool thing i, I yeah. wish you know with with so little money just like stopping here and there yeah very yeah, cool. i mean this is what i always thought when you you know you're a kid and you hear the whole thing let's backpack across europe and stuff like that and you're like that sounds fun and entertaining and then you see a movie like hostile and you're like <laughs> no <laughs> i'm not backpacking anywhere you need, no i'm staying right here well, I don't know before hostel. Like, plan. I need reservations. Yeah. <laughs> Room service, please. But I love the fact that this is actually shot in Wales. The right. all the Moors shots. It's not actually in England. It's Wales, and uh, it's beautiful. I mean, I love yeah. that setting. But before we get too far, I want. I, did anybody even notice the production company, a lycanthrope film? Yeah, uh, yeah, I noticed. That I was night. like, I did not notice. That. That's, That's cool good. that they even made it. Uh, the, it started off with werewolf stuff even if you didn't know what you were getting into but if you love werewolves you knew what that meant yeah so I thought that absolutely cool. it, it made me laugh and chuckle this time as that as it popped up on the screen you laughed and uh, chuckled so, laughed and chuckled oh, there's a difference between the two i love jack's <laughs> or is it was it jack or david that had the response i'm gonna miss you girls that was jack yeah that was jack <laughs> they have some fun little lines you know just their little banter. throwaway lines and stuff like that yeah and they have a fun little chemistry those two guys i enjoyed yeah yeah i, I think this opening scene really kind of just gives us an idea of who these guys are they're good friends you know backpacking across and and they have a good rapport with one another they know how to joke around it seems like they're really close with with each yeah. other and we get that right off the bat there's not a whole lot of having to like get into that in this movie. And that's one of the things I kind of appreciate about this movie. This movie moves at such a great pace. I agree. Um, yeah. it, it never wastes a minute of time, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, it, everything that it does, everything it shows you, is there for a reason. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And we find Jack is a hornball. He's all he's just obsessed with uh, banging, what's her name, Debbie Klein. Yeah. But she's mediocre, people. So that's all we need to know. I love their little But he has to make love to her. He must make love to her. <laughs> but she's <laughs> mediocre. It's just, like you said, they're throwaway lines that have nothing to do with the movie, what we're about to watch. But like you said, they're basically like two, uh, what is their age in this? Like college kids? Well, I mean, it establishes that they're young. Yeah, yeah. they're college kids. They're they're using their, their free time maybe between summers or whatever. Like yeah. They don't talk about school, though, do they? I don't remember them mentioning school. I don't think school. they do, but he still lives at home. Maybe they're taking a taking an off year or something like that. Yeah, like the breakdown for the movie labels them as students, so I oh, mean, I would assume they're they're college kids. Right. You know, with what I think that's kind of what the banter between them is meant to to sort of make up is is they're they're in that stage of their life where they're 
you know, all about the girls that they want to hook up with. And now they're, you know, these free spirits wandering London and all this Mm -hmm. stuff. So, um, I'd like to say that we brought up John Landis earlier and this was actually written by him and it was written back in 69. He started doing the script for this and tabled it as a teenager, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he, he kind of, he started at the bottom in the film industry and worked his way in from, from being a little guy. And, um, yeah, I mean, he, he shelved the, the script for this movie for like 10 years. Yeah. He got the idea from a gypsy funeral that he saw about burying yeah. them feet first and stuff like that. And they gave him mm-hmm. the idea of how to write the, the story. So I was like, that's pretty cool. But when he finally started shopping it around, I thought it was funny because the the studios were scared to do a horror movie that had so much comedy and they couldn't label it as a comedy because it was too horrific. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those that was really bending the genre at the time. And I think that's really what kind of made it stick as a, as a big movie, you know, uh, sort of a bookmark in the horror history right around here. That's an interesting point because I don't, I I can't think of a whole lot and I'm only thinking about this right now. So maybe I'm just missing everything, but horror comedy, I I don't, I don't think of too many older horror comedy films. I'm trying to think of like the history of horror comedy. Well, that's the thing. That's what I was about to say is because of movies like this, we ended up getting stuff like gremlins and stuff like that where it's horror and comedy and they if people those kind of movies they say that kind of inspired them uh what's his name Shaun of the dead guy the writer edgar right edgar, right he even mentions that this movie was a direct like inspiration for him doing that was to have the the horror comedy where you had enough to scare you but then you had that light lightheartedness yeah, of the it, comedy and, in it too. The and, he says he and then as soon as it was on tv and i direct. did have a vcr i recorded it and i just watched it over and over again, and then it sort of started to hit me why it was it was it was gone beyond being forbidden fruit. It wasn't just a film that I really needed to see. It started to become my favorite film, and the reason I picked it as my screen epiphany is I think it was the first kind of cross genre film that I'd ever seen, and something that's influenced everything that I've done since. And Shaun of the Dead, even though it's a zombie film, it's the film that me and Simon always looked to would be American Wealth in London because. It's really scary and it's really funny and you care about the characters. And, um, and, and that's what's amazing about the movie and why kind of I picked it and why it continues to astound me is that I think you can have lots of horror films that are the same and lots of comedies that are the same, but once you start to mix two different flavors, it will always be a unique movie. So this movie isn't quite like anything else. And I mean, yeah, like you, I'd, I've never really thought of it that way until you bring it up, but I kind of think yeah, Shaun of the Dead is... is very similar to this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, very, very. Yeah, was, there was a whole article on him talking about this, and it was very entertaining. But then you think about Shaun of the Dead, and you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah <laughs> this sure. really helped him along with that movie. So, but so, Jenny, what do you think of our characters at this point? Like, where would you, I mean, would you place them around college time? Yeah, I think so. And it's it's funny. I mean, not, we got a couple more scenes before we get here, but, like, Jack is the far more charismatic character, I feel like. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting for where we end up later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's kind of what I noticed this time around, too, was is Jack is really who I'm kind of not rooting for in a sense, but like I, I really like Jack, and David is just sort of the, the background guy. 
Yeah. When you first kind of meet them. Mm-hmm. Kind of the straight um, man. Not totally, yeah. but yeah. yeah. Jack is kind of the joker of the two. Mm-hmm. So, so they're in point where we get to when you know, when we get to where we're going, um, makes it all that much more weird when Griffin Dune is the one who ends up being dispatched by this werewolf. Um, so, the slaughtered lamb. Is there a cooler name me. than Griffin Dune? That dude's name's pretty awesome. <laughs> That's a badass say. name, dude. <laughs> anyway, slaughtered um, lamb. It's badass. Dude, the, the name of, I thought you were going to say that isn't the name of the bar the coolest ever is. I love the Slaughtered Dude, Lamb. Dude, I, I, I want to open a bar named the Slaughtered Lamb. Yeah. <laughs> and the sign is, like, as a branding person, you actually have to respect that, Eric. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Commitment. Um, you know, it's funny when they when they walk in here and everyone stops and stares at them. It's the whole and, record needle. <laughs> yeah, and... I experienced something very similar to this, like very similar to this in Panama City Beach. Uh, George, George, you guys know George. George and I went to a bar, this little salty bar full of locals, uh, some some salty individuals. Um, And we walked in. We just wanted to play some pool, have a beer, something like that. Everyone, literally everyone in the bar stops and looks at us. Like it was, it was <laughs> like we were in a film. We go over to this table, this pool table that is empty. Uh, and this guy walks over and he's like, yeah, uh, we were playing on that table. And we're like, well, no, uh, there's no one here, you know? And wow. I kind of glance up at the bartender to think like, certainly the bartender that would say, no guys, chill out. Or yeah. Whatever. Right. He's just staring at me, like backing up. (laughs) (laughs) We kind of argue with the guy a little bit and we're kind of looking at each other, exchanging looks after a while. And we, we were going to order something and it just was not, we were waiting for the, the, the tension to die down because we're just in there chilling and it did not die but down. But it never did. Yeah, finally I go, dude, should we leave? <laughs> he's like, yeah, let's go. And we we left. I mean, we got stared out of a bar. It, I, I mean, that was wow. a, quite an experience. It was sure. really an Applebee's on Tuesday night. So <laughs> that's where he really was. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't It wasn't even a bar, honestly. It was, yeah, it was the library. But uh, no, I, I forget what the bar was called, but there there's pretty gnarly bars in this town <laughs> that do not want like anyone unless you you've lived there your whole life and been to this bar for 20 years i mean there's some some sketchy little bars around here well that's one thing about this movie like something that happens a lot in movies like that where you walk somebody walks into a bar and everybody goes silent and it's kind of a trope now but i buy it in this movie like i feel like everyone in this bar would stop and look at these two guys oh yeah these people are genuinely terrifying yeah yeah well Well, it's such a a small town Yeah, they're they're like they probably don't see people like that ever come through their little town, you know. I mean, was it was it called East Proctor? I mean, by what they're talking about, nobody really goes out there. It's a good drive from London, per what the doctor says later. So it is probably a small, isolated town, and then all of a sudden, these two guys with these big freaking puffer jackets come walking in the door, and you're like, you're lost. (laughs) You're in the wrong damn place. What the hell are you doing wearing a life preserver? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (sighs) I mean, these are some grisly, dirty individuals in here. I mean, and they want food. We don't have any food. They want no food, no tea, no nothing. No, they did have tea, but I'll have to make it for you. Begrudgingly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like I got to make you some damn tea. Yeah. I have, I have an issue with the chess player. 
which that's what he's credited as, by the way. Yeah, it's, that's what I'm saying. He uh, doesn't have a character player. name. Chess player number and the dark, one. The dark guys are dark player one and two. Yeah, yeah I saw that too. <laughs> There's decisions he makes that seems to be to, to hide the secret that they're dealing with, to hide the problem that they're dealing with. But there comes a point in this yes. film where the, the secret's out and he needs to divulge some information to keep it from getting worse. And I don't fully understand his motivations. Well, that's the thing about, like, that's something I kind of respected about watching this movie this time is how ambiguous they leave a lot of stuff in this. Because, you know, you can kind of gather your information from a bar called The Slaughtered Lamb, the five-point star on the wall that uh, Jack notices, and that's what gets them kind of kicked out of the bar as they ask about it, and they don't give them anything. Mm -mm. The only thing you know is that the barkeep is afraid to let them stay out there. She says, you shouldn't let them go. You shouldn't do this. And they're all just hush hush. We never get any explanation as to what's going on there. Um, or anything like you can make assumptions about what it is, but they never clearly state it for you. And I kind of think that's pretty ballsy for 81, especially. Yeah. I mean, they don't give them anything. I mean, it's obviously there's this secret's been around for a while. I mean, you got a bar named the slaughtered lamb. And then like I said, the pentacle star on the wall and no, the owners are not from Texas. So we'll, we'll go ahead and figure that out. Uh, yeah. I love that they mentioned that in this movie. And then they, he remember says, the remember Alamo. the Alamo. And then they start talking about the John Wayne movie. So I love that they, Texas got a shout out in this movie. But, uh, I mean, obviously this problem with something paranormal of something going on in this town for how long? Hundreds of years? Maybe it's been a, a family yeah, secrets that have been going and going and going forever. So... Well, it reminds me of The Thing and how they did the, the Thing prequel. You could do a prequel right. to this movie to, to show what happened in that town. That we That's actually that a good point. idea. Because there's like already it. a werewolf there. They right. know there is. They say stay mm -hmm. off the moors. I mean, they know there's already – somebody is a werewolf already. Yes. So yes. who yeah, is like, – That's yeah. the thing, like – it, it like the name of this movie really kind of fit on an American werewolf in London. So you, you kind of get like, you don't get any explanation. It's a foreigner in a foreign land. So like he, he, you, you can make assumptions about all these things, but you never get told them. And it's like, they completely leave the myth and the legend aspect out of this. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. And, and yeah, you, you go along with the American, you're the American, you, right. you know, you don't know what's going on just as much as he doesn't. And that's part of the fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the, the main thing, stay to the road, stay out of the moors, and beware of the moon. Which these fools yeah. don't do immediately, of course. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, they're sitting there talking, having a good time, and they just... Now, yeah. I love those... I love it when they Go ahead. When they discover that they've wandered off uh, the path, and it just says, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I, I just... What you were saying, Josh, the, the beginning where they show the landscape beautiful landscape shots i always love that yeah. kind of stuff on that location and stuff but i also love these shots here where they leave the the pub and there's they're on the moors here these shots are very cool with the smoke machines or whatever's going on mm -hmm. yeah and, and and you can't you can't see very far there's no real edge to where you're looking it, you know it's sort of everything's out of view with all the fog and everything mm -hmm. that's actually a note that i my exact note was i love that you have no sense of where they are during the attack there's no direction yeah. you don't know yeah. which way is where yeah yeah you don't the know. camera is moving in every direction you cannot see the road you know they're somewhere stranded 
it, it, it does a really good job of setting that up. Yeah, especially even with the sound. I mean, if you listen to it like in a good surround sound system, I mean, the howling is coming from around. And then yeah. when it says it's in front of them, I mean, it's coming out of the center channel. It's letting you know that, hey, he's moved here. And right. I love the way they do it, make it work with the sound. I mean, the, the camera angles and the music, I mean, the sound is just great. I mean, you're automatically getting scared. Your hair is starting to stand up because you can hear this thing growling and breathing. So, you know, something about to happen. Really love that they go with a comedic sense to how this plays out. In that David trips and falls, he thinks he's been attacked, and they're kind of giggling about it and helping, or, you know, help me up, you dumbass, or whatever it is he says. And then all of a sudden, boom, that's when you get your attack. Like that, that split second later than you would have expected it. Well, it really is, makes that spot. The first is, jump scare. Uh, yeah, first jump scare. And I also like right before that, when they're kind of, you know, like we say, we're sort of directionless and they're wandering around they they kind of walk in towards the camera and kind of almost yeah. look directly at the camera like almost like they're lost like they're almost looking at us like where do we go <laughs> you know what i mean right yeah um and yeah i mean the, the the tone is is great uh as when you're talking about like what makes a good horror comedy yeah you you have great comedic moments but also you it still has to be a horror you know you still have to have your scary moments and when when uh old old what's his name <laughs> you know jack is getting uh torn up that's pretty gnarly great 1981 rick baker makeup of this guy being shredded to pieces on the ground yep. and freaking uh oh my the god pub boys uh, show up what's his name what oh, i just forgot david? david david dude i mean would you do this to me josh take off just fucking running like Carl no, Lewis. I think you would want to be turned into a werewolf, so I would just let you get eaten. And that'd be it. <laughs> well, no, dude, but Jack doesn't get turned. Yeah, in. Jack he, doesn't get to survive yeah, the attack. Dude, I yeah. mean, uh, he's just gone, dude. He just Jason, left. If if a werewolf jumped on you, man, I would tombstone pile driver that some bitch <laughs> into bitch. the moor. Into some the moor. Boom. Some bitch. Good night. <laughs> a lovely stroll on the moors. La 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 la. 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 <laughs> Having my entrails eaten by a werewolf. So lovely. I love that shot of, of it's supposed to be David's point of view looking down at Jack. That's yeah, what like, I'm talking about. And he's in a pool of his own blood. And it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, it pulls no punches of being pretty damn gory right off the bat, too. I mean, even uh, David gets attacked. That's pretty gruesome. I mean, you figured that werewolf tore him up pretty good. I mean, just in that little bit of time. And, and then you hear the gunshots. Yeah. So the townspeople come to save him after making him go out there to be eaten. Yeah. And then David gets the, you know, the nice little glance of the fact that what they shot was not a wolf. It was a man. Mm -hmm. It was a, it was a maniac. A maniac. (laughs) But, and then he wakes up in the hospital three weeks later. Seems like a long time to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, it is a long time. Well, you think about it, you got to be good at the writing on this because obviously if you're going to be a werewolf, you got to wait. 28 days for the next full moon so how can we make you know four weeks go by really quick oh he's in the hospital for three weeks in a coma for three weeks excellent (laughs) point jason i love that incredible yeah because you just kind of i was today years old when i figured that one out so yeah Yeah, you just you just put the entire timeline of this film in perspective that's what i'm here for people the vhs files i I clue josh into shit he's never thought of over the 40 years he's been here ladies and gentlemen jason the wolfman owens (laughs) jason the wolfman owens oh yeah (laughs) 
Oh Wolfman Jason. I think that I think that name's gonna stick. <laughs> well, I'm hairy <laughs> enough to be one, I guess. So I'm gonna start calling Eric Mr. Eric. Mr. Eric. You need to. Hello, Mr. Eric. Oh, Whatever that's IROC, dude. That's IROC. <laughs> no, that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that's so why it's mental. God. But yeah, we wake up. Uh, I, well, they don't even really get to the point of him being there for three weeks. We kind of wake up to the two nurses in there, and the one nurse took a look at his junk because he said yeah. he's Jew. Well, how do you know? Oh, because I took a look. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. And I never got that as a kid about the whole Jew thing. I didn't know what that meant, you know, the circumcisions yeah. and stuff like that. So, Right uh, over your head as a kid. Yeah, as a sure. kid, you don't care about that. You, you kind of get that she looked at his junk. So you're kind of scared as, you know, when you go in the hospital, a nurse is looking under your gown. Yes, they are. Damn it. Probably. So when the, when the doctor, when the doctor comes in, is, is it just me or is he rude as fuck to Alex? Yeah. He's, he's, he's really is quite rude. rude, but I think we learn later that he's not as bad as he seems. When he comes in, he sounds, he comes across like a real jerk, but he walked in on a patient and the nurses are talking about his circumcision very inappropriately. So I can understand why he would be yeah. irritated. Well, like, we're supposed yeah. to be taking care of this man, not like talking about his his uh, his uh, nether regions, his, his his foreskin, his Netherlands. <laughs> Wolfman's got nards. <laughs> <laughs> she found out, but it's the thing. It's the one nurse. But Alex, I think off the bat, she's kind of intrigued by him. Like yeah. she thinks he's handsome and stuff like that, and I think that's why she hangs around. But uh, Doctor Hirsch. Is the guy in there? I mean, he's very straightforward. Is very, you know, British feeling type guy, like the normal British person you see in most movies. Very serious and uh, kind of dry, very dry, like emotional, dodgy, yeah, very dodgy. dry. But uh, yeah, he's unlikable at first, but he grows on me. Um, yeah, he's not and, bad. And I really like Alex in this movie. Yeah, I, I like Alex she's... too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, she's lovely, and also, the, what's the actress's name? I'm looking for it now. Oh, uh, yeah, she's Jenny, uh, Jenny, Jenny, a, a Jenny a gooder, a gooder. Yeah, yeah she's an MCU lady. That's right. Yeah, it's part of the um, Marvel universe. She's great in this, and I like her character. You know, just she's not throwing herself at him per se, but she's definitely intrigued, and she seems to care about him, and as a nurse should. In a proper way. I like her. I have some issues with some of the, some of the, I don't know if it's the decisions or just her kind of, um, willingness to kind of brush things off, which we'll get to later. I also have like, it's really weird to me and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but this doesn't really matter if I'm jumping ahead or not. She goes to visit the kid in the, in the pediatrics area. (laughs) No, no. And that kid just says no to everything. Right. No, I've, (laughs) <laughs> and she visits him twice in the movie, and I'm wondering what was the necessity of of doing this. Here? I think it's trying to show she cares. She's a good person. I, she has a she's good a good heart. person. But i I think it I think it might go a little deeper. I would almost be like surprised like surprised if there wasn't like some cut story from this where she like wanted to be a mother and couldn't, and that's kind of how what leads to her bringing David in. Like as she sees him as sort of a a nurturing sort of thing. Uh, yeah, you could say that. I mean, well, she's a nurse. To begin was, with. Yeah. One of the notes I was saying was that, you know, yeah, like you say, Jason, she's a nurse. 
she's uh maternal sure like you say but also you know she she wants to heal people she wants to help people and that might be part of why she's attracted to david is that you know he is kind of a a man in trouble a, a broken man uh, that needs saving and she wants to save him which is you know yeah. kind of a an aspect of her character that can be good and also bad for her because yeah. she right. you know i can save him <laughs> well but the feeding scene is very weird. It, yeah, I agree. It's funny. That's funny. I don't I think it it's weird. She's, I thought it was he's hilarious. got to eat. He hasn't eaten. It, it's it's a little flirty. Like it. It's got a vibe. It's, it's I don't flirting. Know. She's it's flirting. flirty. She's flirting. She's feeding him. Food is can be sexual. Kind of plays into my little child sort of thing that I have going here. I'm going to be the theory guy from the from now on in the show since I seem to have a theory about everybody. But uh, we can't. I mean, you can draw all kinds of lines between maternity, maternal instincts, and and love and lust, and they can get pretty icky. I mean, I I don't know. She she's attracted to the young American man, right? And she wants to help him. I don't know how much deeper it goes than that, but maybe. Well, before we get too far, uh, there's a lot that happens in the hospital that I really like, namely the dream sequences, which I'll get to in a second. Um, but number one, the embassy, the guy from the American embassy comes in and this is a pretty funny scene. Mr. Collins. Do do we know who that is? That's fucking Frank Oz. That's Yoda, bitches. That is Yoda. (laughs) That is Miss Piggy. That is Kermit the Frog Frog. himself. I did not. The main guy, the the guy that gets eaten later, gets his head bitten off? No, no, no. No, But the American embassy guy that shows up. Oh, the little, the guy that comes in with the mustache. Okay. And he's telling David, calm down, calm down. And like that, you know, he's kind of freaking out. (laughs) That guy. I didn't realize that was Frank Oz. That's amazing. That is Frank Oz. I knew he had a a cameo on this, and I didn't realize that was him. That's that's when you... When you first hear him start talking to David, you like can Yoda. really hear the Miss Piggy Yoda sound in his oh, voice. Oh, I gotta go hear back. Sure. Yeah. Um, I also want to talk about the two cops, the the one straight one and the one goofy one. I think the bedpan scene is so fucking funny. Yes. Dude, it goes on forever. <laughs> it's so loud. It's like Sergeant McManus. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's clink, clink, clink. I'm like, is this ever going to end? <laughs> yeah, I love how long they drag it out and just how loud those bedpans are. It had me cracking up. <laughs> to me, why did this doctor have a bunch of like se- like bedpans to fit each? <laughs> like, why are they? Because that's there? what a doctor would have in his office. Like, why? <laughs> yeah. To me, that is very Monty Python typeish yeah. right there. The whole Actually, constantly Mr. Bean, they? Mr. Bean too. You know, with the constant Definitely. trying to put yeah. stuff back on the shelf. These weren't Definitely bedpans, though, were they, Jenny? Come on, help me out here. These weren't bedpans. They were they were like those kidney shaped pans that you barf into. They, oh yeah, they yeah, yeah. They weren't bedpans. Well, my bad. Hey, I'll, I'll just go fuck I, myself. I calls it like I sees it. <laughs> they weren't bedpans. I'm bad. You're a bedpan. You're a bedpan. But the other thing that I really like about this movie is from the get go, David is telling the cops and telling everyone I was bit by a wolf or or a dog or something like yeah. I. There is never a point in this movie where he's not trying to tell somebody what happened and what is going to happen with him. That's what I like about Dr. Hirsch after, you know, he's initially kind of a dick is he's the only person really, even, even the nurse, even Alex isn't totally registering this stuff. And I like that. I like that Dr. Hirsch actually says, you know, okay, fine. Say we don't believe in the supernatural. This man, it could be dangerous. 
based yeah. on what he's saying, you know, and if he believes that this is the case, then he might actually be violent at some point. Yeah, we need absolutely. To, we need to take it seriously. So that's where I start to really get on board with the doctor. here. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, like they do a good job of making you dislike him at first. And then he, he, he's the only one who really seems to be interested in finding out what happened to this American kid. And, well, yeah. Because he's saying one thing, and someone else is say, uh, these, these guys in this town are saying something completely different. Mm-hmm. So there has to be some kind of contrast here. Yeah, because right. I mean, they're saying they witnessed it. There were two witnesses. It was a lunatic that killed him because right. they have incredible strength because they're crazy, you know. Which isn't a lie per no. se. Yeah, no, you know, we've but... seen the videos online of meth heads going nuts, haven't we? Yeah, I Florida have. man. Florida yep. man. <laughs> Gotta watch out for Florida, Florida man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> watch out, Chris. God, you guys, you guys, if you have not watched Atlanta, that scene where they, that scene in one of the episodes where they talk about Florida man is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a television show. And that's from a guy coming from a guy who lived in Florida. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about the dream scenes here because I think these are one of those standouts of the movie. Dude, he has fucking nuts. He has several um, dreams. Just the the first one we get of the first person just going through the woods with that score in the background yeah. sets this really creepy vibe. And I like I remember as a kid being so thrown off by those scenes because they just were interjected in the middle of this story that I was watching and they didn't seem to make any sense. But, you know, growing up and watching it now, completely makes sense it's just it's just telling the story in a different way i think you know back in that time it was a different way of telling the story well and the different Um, the different dream sequences have different tones too oh totally they're all kind of horrific but you know that first one where he's running through the woods and he sees the the hospital bed and that kind of stuff that's oh no the first one he's running through the woods and eats a deer oh that's right and he eats the deer and then and then there's the other one where he sees the hospital bed those are very like um, sort of like unsettling, like he's losing his humanity, that kind of stuff. And then there's yeah. the ones that are just like madness, like cuckoo. Yeah, you know, like he's sitting with his family, and there's like all these like yeah. wolf Nazis. I call them wolf, I call them wolf Nazis. Wolf yeah, Nazis, right? <laughs> they come Dude, in you know, and they're just slaughtering everything. It's just like, what on earth is going on? This man is losing it. Nazi werewolves of the SS. Yeah, you know, totally Rob Zombie, and everybody just took that. So. But uh, oh. that though, I want to touch on the one sequence of the hospital bed thing because that's what we were talking about at the beginning about scenes that stick with you. That is one of the best fucking Ooh. jump scares ever, dude. dude. As a kid, I I believe I left the room. I, yeah. I think I left the room when that happened. Which one? It's when, when he uh, looks at the he's looking at the hospital bed in the woods, and then I guess she, she comes in. Or oh yeah, Alex approaches the bed, and yeah, it, yeah, 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 with the he's teeth and the face. eyes and yeah, the makeup. Yeah. Dude, that's that's scary. I don't care how that's old very you are. Thriller too. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. very thriller. And that's I, like I'm gonna get into a little story about thriller here. Right. As big of a fan as I am of thriller, there was a short period when I was a kid where I would not watch it because I was scared to death of it. Uh, and and it was because of, I think I might have told this story on the show before, but if not, new new listeners are gonna hear it again. Um, but. My, my dad scared the shit out of me after I watched Thriller one time and I wouldn't watch it for the longest time. And I remember when I finally started watching it again, coming through my living room and seeing Michael Jackson's head pop up with the yellow eyes and the teeth 
And I tried to dart out of my house, and my mom grabbed me, sat me down, and was like, no, you're going to watch this. This is not scary. You're going to get through this. You used to love it. You're going to watch it. And I think I did that. there's just so many memories around that for me. And, yeah, that's exactly how, how this scene sort of plays for me is, like, if I was a kid, that would have scared the living bejesus out of me if I would have seen that. But oh. after when I saw it as a kid at that point, I'd already known, you know, been through all that stuff and as i but understand yeah, like, it michael jackson liked this movie so much that's kind of how they oh yeah ended up doing thriller yeah. is that right exactly he yeah, wanted a... john landis to do the video for him when i met michael and i went to his house and we talked i gradually became aware that he knew me from american werewolf and knew nothing else that's, i haven't seen any well, i saw kentucky fried movie saw kentucky fried movie which was funny so it was like real awkward george said well michael i mean have you seen trading places Animal House? No. Lou's Brother? No. Sort of like real depressing. Those are your biggest real, ones. Real depressing <laughs> afternoon at Michael Jackson's house. Well, oh, that was a great clip, Josh. Really enjoyed that. It was thrilling. That, like you said, that facial makeup, and then, of course, the scene later, I mean, you definitely see all that in the Michael Jackson thriller video. Yeah, And sure. But that's probably, I mean, the first jump scare in the movie is when the one wolf jumps out and, uh, tax jack and stuff like that but that one right there i think sticks with me more than any of the others i mean because you kind of know what's coming at that point but yeah. that one because it still looks human so yeah. i think that's what makes it a little scarier but i like you know we get the first one where he doesn't really know what's going on he's a little disoriented and then the next one is him eating the deer and that plays into the scene where she's feeding him and he says he's not hungry I even love that they play with the fact that like he's not hungry because he's not hungry for human food now. He wants yeah. He wants that wolf meat. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not touching that one, Eric. You can touch that one. He if wants you that want. wolf meat. We're, we're leaving that alone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Oh, that good old uh, wolf meat. Josh, he does. He does. Uh, <laughs> yes, the 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 human food is not good anymore. He wants some kibbles and bits. You know what I mean? I like that we, I like that we cut to the to the the Nazi wolf scene uh, with that with that shot of the Muppet yeah. Show on TV. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, un, kind of unusual, like just all the Frank Oz in this yeah. <laughs> in general. Well, I mean, just well having the Muppets in a horror movie like right yeah. smack dab in the middle is weird. <laughs> but when the when the when the guys come in and start firing on the family, I love that shot where they shoot the mom. And she just fucking flies backwards out of the out of the shot. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny, dude. The whole scene is cr- in, the, in the makeup of sure. the the werewolf Nazis. The, the dude, Netflix that's great looking. It also looks great. All that stuff looks great. Oh yeah. And then uh, I I swear this is where uh, Wes Craven got the idea for uh, the scares on Nightmare on Elm Street, mm, where you think double you dream. wake up from the dream. Yes, but then you're still in the dream. Because he wakes up and then the the, were, the wolf Nazi comes up behind the curtains yeah, the and gets out. The old double dream. You get that in. Uh, so I was, yep. You get that in a Carpenter movie too. Is it in the Mouth of Madness? I can't remember. But yeah, gotta love the old double dream. So in my, correct me if I'm wrong, but we're we're to where Jack returns now, right? We are, and I'd like actually I'd like to play the scene where Jack returns because there's a few things I'd like to talk about here. But get the fuck out of here, Jack. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I can't take this. 
the I makeup on him. That so flappy neck skin. I realize I don't look so yeah. David. But I thought you yes. would see me. We are about to talk about that, sir. <laughs> David, you're hurting my feelings. Hurting your feelings? Oh, yes. <laughs> Has it occurred to you that it might be unsettling to see you rise from the I grave to visit me? Sorry to be upsetting you, David. But I had to come. Aren't you supposed to be buried someplace in New York? Yeah. <laughs> I love the casual conversation with the undead. Yeah. I was surprised at how many people came. Why should you be surprised? You were a very well-liked person. Yeah, I was, wasn't I? Well, I liked you. Debbie Klein cried a lot. Oh, God, am I asleep now or what? So, so you know what she does? She's so grief-stricken. She runs to find solace in Mark Levine's bed. That reminds me of uh, <laughs> Christmas Levine? Carol, too. An asshole. <laughs> Life wants me even back. in death. Mm-hmm. I'm going completely crazy. David! With the music. What? Now, I'm really sorry to be upsetting you, but I have to warn you. Warn me? We were attacked by a werewolf. I'm not listening to this. On the moors, we were attacked by a lycanthrope, a werewolf. I was murdered, an unnatural death. I love the and flappy skin right there. In limbo until the werewolf. It looks like a slice of pizza, like hanging from the. The wolf's <laughs> bloodline must be severed. The last Dude. remaining werewolf must be destroyed. So. The makeup here is so good. I can't even believe it. Like, I, I can't even find a flaw in it, to be honest. I've watched the scene a few times. And, like, dude, it just, I, I have. It is truly flawless. Like, I, I can't even, you can't see a, a, a yeah. seam anywhere. There, it looks incredible. Now I just want to know, Josh, how, how does it hold up in 4K? Don't have a 4K of this yet, sir. Don't have a 4K. Oh, hey, I actually Come own on. this one on blue, so I feel good. I didn't have to rent it. Feel good about myself on this one. Yep, I I have the Arrow Special Edition, which Fuck looks you, really damn good, but it's not a 4K. You know, I had a moment. <laughs> I had a moment to Scott myself, just... and you're like, I have the Arrow Special Edition. <laughs> I have, I have the, the big screen, dick I have Arrow Screen Factory Still Book. <laughs> <laughs> I have the Wolf Meat Edition. I have the Eric's a Loser Edition. That's the one. <laughs> <sighs> but uh, Jack being introduced here, the makeup, all that stuff is is one thing that is amazing. But the other thing that I love here, with the all the storytelling in this movie, like again, we don't get any information from slaughtered land people or any of that stuff all of our information is given to us by an undead person that david is seeing visions of or yeah, or haunting like, david it's also like well what's and, his name in pet cemetery too now that i think about it dead people tell yeah, oh pascal yeah I, I mean uh imagine you're in david's this is what i like about this is imagine you're in david's position and and say you're taking this as as true someone's telling you like you have to kill yourself or someone, or, or people are going to yeah. die. You have to kill yourself. I mean, would anyone do any different than David did? I, I wouldn't just immediately kill myself. I'd be like, whoa, okay, hold on. Let's try to figure this out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I, right. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a conundrum. It's a, it's a difficult situation he finds himself in. For sure. And especially for someone who's just been through a trauma like he has. And that's the other thing about all of this that kind of culminates for me is he doesn't hide this from anybody. 
he doesn't chalk it up to him just being crazy or on drugs or right now or anything like that. He tells someone, I just saw my dead right. friend and he told me I'm going to turn well, that into is a wonderful. werewolf. I agree. Like, I think in a lot of other movies, he would keep a lot of this internalized, say half. Right. Of, but no, mm -hmm. he, he communicates everything. And, you know, while he's got Jack telling him one thing, he's also got these doctors telling him, no, 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 you're, you're, you're fine. You know, relax. Like you're, you know, this is yeah. uh, just your trauma talking or whatever. It makes perfect sense. Like everything David does in this movie makes total sense to me, which is one of my favorite things in any movie, yeah, as I mean, you'll probably hear every episode we talk as I love when people's motivations make sense. I mean, that's just, it makes for a good movie. He suffered an attack by a werewolf or a lunatic. His best friend was killed in front of him. He saw his best friend ripped apart. Yeah. Not the fact that just seen him kill. He saw him torn to pieces. So, yeah, they're kind of putting it off as though uh, he's kind of traumatized, you know, a little PTSD type thing. Maybe he's seeing things. Maybe he's working it out in his head, and that's how he's doing it. Is He's talking to Jack in his head. Hey, dude, I'm sorry that I ran away from you and let you get eaten and turned to puppy chow. But <laughs> I'm sorry. But and that, I think that's how they're discounting it is that, hey, he's been through a lot. Let's just let him work yeah. it out. And that's how the doctor, until Dr. Hirsch kind of starts going, this is kind of odd. Yeah, I mean, I really, you know? we've already touched on it, but I like the fact that the doctor gets involved and he's the only one who really seems to care about what really happened to this guy. Uh, so, obviously, we saw where this was going to go with he and Alex. She ends up taking him home and we get the moon dance scene, which I'm sure all of us as uh, dudes thought was pretty sexy, especially when we were younger. Well, if you thought that, this is the most boring sex scene ever. Oh boy, here we go, Jenny. I'm about to say, uh, I'm about to say, Jenny, did he lay the pipe right, or was it? You know, like, okay. Even with Van Morrison yeah, I, in the background, it's just there's no passion. It's just. Well, I have to say, yeah. for someone who's brought things up like this in the past, she certainly seems like she's been fulfilled by the end of this scene. She does. I mean, he's got the heart of the wolf going. I wasn't question. fulfilled. <laughs> yeah. I have a, this is the question I had for Jenny here. It says, all right, they get back and she's telling him that he's attractive and stuff like that. I love how she makes the little slight comment. I don't bring home yeah. the trays since I'm talking about him <laughs> being a werewolf. <laughs> I thought that, but then she goes to tell him like, yeah, they've been chatting in the hospital, but she, first time to her house, I don't bring home straight. And then she goes to tell him every sexual experience that she's had. I've had a couple of one night stands, blah, blah, blah. I mean, is this something you just have with somebody the first day? Or is I kind this just of like, like that because it it I mean it kind of clears up that she's not just a hussy. She doesn't just bring every guy that comes through her hospital home with her. I, I kind of like that. It makes her a little more endearing that she's a little shy about it. Um, yeah. And yeah. I think they have great chemistry. I mean, I can't speak for the actual you know how much she enjoyed it or not, but uh, I think they have good chemistry, like the actors. And I like I like Moon yeah, Dance sure. and. Yeah. in that sequence as well I, I think that's a great song for for that scene well since we're talking about alex we've kind of touched on the fact that the doctors go into the slaughtered lamb to to kind of figure out what's happened to david let's talk some uh the cast members almost famous yeah, i know that dude i don't know them i know her you haven't you ever heard of that guy what, what's that guy who was in that movie that was out last year i'm sort of famous for being almost famous so almost famous this week. Um, well, we're talking about Alex, so I'm going to go with Ginny. 
Agutter. I don't know if I'm saying her last name correctly or not, so I'm sorry if you're listening. Um, if I'm butchering your name. But I know her from Child's Play 2, and that's about it. <laughs> I did not know she was in the MCU. You brought that up earlier. So who is she in the MCU? Yeah, she, she's one of the council members that he, that, uh, Robert Redford's count character is talking to and Samuel Jackson. Oh, okay. The hologram. Uh, she ends up uh, Black Widow is her when she's in the makeup. And then you remember she pulls the face off oh. when she's uh, confronts Robert Redford's yep. character. That's okay. her. I forgot all but, about uh, that. God, come on. I thought you were a Marvel fan. Hello. Hello. <laughs> um, but I, I would have to disagree with you on that one. Well, shoot. Uh, well, I don't know. Jenny, you got one. Let's go with I Jenny. don't know She's who any of, of these people are. <laughs> there aren't a lot of I think maybe I've movie, seen really. the guy who plays Jack in something else. Yep. But yeah. uh, he's, been in a, he's been in a lot. That's all I got. Well, I had Jack as one because he's been in My Girl. He's in the show This Is Us, Practical Magic, Who's That Girl, yeah. uh, stuff like that. Oh, he's the but teacher the in go- My Girl. Yeah, he's the teacher that she has in the hospital. Oh, yeah. yeah, okay. But but who I'm going to go with is Dart Player, Mr. David oh, Schofield. One or because two. That man, That's mine, brother. That guy That's- has been like the henchman guy in Gladiator. The first three Pirates of the Caribbean movies, From Hell, Darkest Hour, Last of the Mohicans, the new Wolfman movie. That man has been in all. I mean, that's, I didn't even finish my list. This guy's been in so many movies. <laughs> yeah, he's in. Uh, he's in Valkyrie. He's in a bunch. Dude, of Dude, he's always too. that. Um, that that guy, the henchman. He's just bad got guy. that face. Yeah, he's just got that kind of so that weathered face. Face only that's a who mother I'm could go love. Almost famous. Because that's mine too, David Schofield. Yes, Schofield. Yeah, that's who I was going to go with. I also wrote down Brian Glover, uh, the the old the chess player guy, because I I know him from Alien Three. Like he's a very prominent character in that, so it's hard to hard to not notice him in that in that role. Yeah, but that's who I was going to go for because I mean, he's famous, but he's not Kevin Bacon famous, right? So I, I would say he's right. He, like you said, he always plays that good secondary background character, but he's, he's got screen time. So okay. I, I I'm good with going with that. Think, Eric David Schofield, almost famous for the week. Now uh, I'd like to get to a question that we're going to start trying to work on here in the show and sort of make it a little fun for everybody. Since we're talking about cast members, um, we thought it would be fun to kind of throw this out there. If you had to recast someone in this film, who would it be? Why? And who would you replace them with? So Jenny's going to go I first. I have it. I have it. I have it. Um, Jason Silverman and Andrew McCartney. Weekend at Bernie style. <laughs> so you would replace the two main characters with them? Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so she stuck to the 80s. So which one of... That's great. It is obvious. Well, no. You know, because of the way this, the way this movie plays it, though. No, it's so obvious. What do you mean? Jack is Andrew McCartney and David is Jason Silverman. Like, obviously. Okay, yeah. You're yeah, right. I agree. Okay. I agree. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you got to go with the more well-known <laughs> guy ends up being the lesser character. So, yeah. Okay. Oh. Good. Good one. That was, that was, that was, that was pretty good. So, By that, you could, you could go... Uh, Alex Winters and, and uh, Keanu Reeves. You could do the, a Bill and Ted. Yeah, you could do a Bill and Ted swap on that one too. <laughs> All right, Eric, what was yours? Uh, well, I like my Bill and Ted swap better now, but uh, I went for uh, switching uh, uh, 
who plays Jack? Griffin Dune, of course, yeah. the coolest name in history. Uh, replace him with Adam Scott. Oh, oh I can see that. <laughs> I can see dude, that for sure. You're on my dude. You're on my. You're on half of my list. <laughs> All right. All right, Jason. What's yours? Jason recasts the entire film. <laughs> hey, look, look. Right there. Oh my god. But what All I did. All Parks and Rec characters. Dude, this is what I did, and I'm not even a Parks and Rec like avid watcher like these two over here on the other side of the screen, Josh and Jenny. But uh, well, I. I kind of had some fun with this when Josh threw this at me. I did like, what would Hollywood give us today? <laughs> what would be what would be cool or a little serious? And then I go, gender swap too. Ah, so all right, well, like, break I it down for that. us, buddy. Well, Hollywood would give us The Rock and Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> Rock is David, Kevin Hart is Jack. Going, uh, man, you don't let me die by a werewolf. <laughs> Over the corner. Tell me you don't hear that. Tell me you don't hear Kevin Hart in the corner. You gotta kill yourself. Hey, you gonna eat that toast? You gonna eat that toast? I'm hungry. I'm dead. Oh (laughs) man. Jeez Louise. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Oh wow. Well, who else you got? Okay, then I went kind of serious, but whatever, because you know me, I'm a comic book fan. I went Tom Holland and Dane Dehan if you wanted a little more drama Uh. in there. (laughs) So, uh, but getting to the humor side, I went Adam Scott as uh, David and Rain Wilson as Jack. (laughs) That's almost Chris Hardwick and Rain Wilson from House of a Thousand Corpses. (laughs) There you go. That's why I put it. And then I had Jason. Sedakis as David and Ed Helms. Oh, that's good. That's really Jack. good too. But my gender swap, I went Emma Roberts as David and Aubrey Plaza as <laughs> wow. Jack. Because you know how dirty she can get. You imagine her talking, oh, I'm totally gonna shag this guy before I, you know, go back to college. You know, you're gonna have him knock some babies into me stuff, dirty grandpa. <laughs> so David. but then I went with but I went with the nurse too. I gave her one. Okay. Anna Kendrick. Oh, that's a, that's I can good. see that. Jason, you knocked us out of the park. You did, man. Wait, I'm good. Ginger swapped the nurse, and it's Chris Hemsworth. Ooh. It's Chris Hemsworth. Uh, that's exactly what I had it scribbled. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth. I marked it no, out. You got to put a Brit in. Oh, yeah, he's Brit. Uh, you, no, he's Australian. Australian. <laughs> he's Australian. That's Close right. enough. He's old British. This isn't an American werewolf in Australia, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't suggest it in the first place. Shit. Or I, I did, what? Uh, uh, what, what's his name? What, uh, who's the, uh, I had, oh God, I forgot his name. I didn't write it down, but the guy from Game of Thrones, the short. Uh, oh, Peter Dinklage? <laughs> yeah, I had uh, Jason Momoa and Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage. <laughs> so, there well, you go. Pretty good. Jason Momoa wouldn't even need wolf. Yeah, <laughs> he just, just pretty Both much contacts in just, him. He's good. He just he, doesn't need to shower for a day or two, and he'll be good. Every woman on the street would be just like, "Yeah, I'm good. You can take me." Wow. Well, you guys, you guys took that and ran with it because I don't. Well, I don't even remember what mine was now because that was just so good. <laughs> like, oh my god, well, Rock and Kevin Hart is as in this movie is. Absolutely I absolutely hysterical. don't want to see it, but it's so funny to think about it. <laughs> 
dude, I'm not kidding you. When you told us about this, I, that's how I got. I said, let me give me some serious stuff, some what I kind of think and what the the world of Hollywood always screws up and gives us. And I was like, yeah, Jason, Rocky I think Kevin you, Hart. you upped the game for this segment. Next time, I'm going to have to bring a little more than. Yeah, we're just going to recall the segment. Jason's recast. segment. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do. Well, here. I mean, like, I. God, I mean, I, I came up with this question and I went the boring route. I was just going to say I would replace the dude who plays David with Jake Gyllenhaal. Because Jake Gyllenhaal can pull off dramatic acting and David Anybody. Norton can't. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right, but can Jake Gyllenhaal pull off comedic acting? Yes, he can. Okay. Have you seen Bubble Boy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. No, I haven't, actually. But I have seen, what's that? Korean movie where he's like a with the animal set on Netflix. What? what? I don't know. It's got like the hippopotamus know. animal and the girl falls in love with it. You guys what? I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, Okja? Yeah, Okja. Oh, yeah. okay. No, I, you know him in that? I have not he's seen annoying. that actually. I, I, oh, I well, can't he's... watch it. Like, I'm. Yeah, it would be rough for you as a former PETA employee. <laughs> Because it's it's that's all it's about yeah. really is yeah so that would be a tough watch. I watched sure. the trailer and I was like, nope, uh, I'm good. <laughs> no, hurt my feelings. <laughs> all right, well that was fun. I think we're gonna keep doing that. That was I, I can't believe Jason went went like that. That was good, dude. dude I, hey, you gave me something to work with for a week, man. And I <laughs> thought it was amazing. something cool and new, man. I thought I'd go dig deep. So, All right, and you're and you guys introduced me to Parks and Rec, and a lot of those people and the office, yeah, for sure. So those people stood out to me immediately. But yeah. Oh no! Can I change mine to John Krasinski? That might I, no. Sorry, you can't change it. <laughs> no, you're done. Segment is over. I win. <laughs> Jason definitely takes the crown on that one. I'll give him that. So gold star for here's where I start to have a little bit of troubles with Alex in this movie is when she leaves him alone, when he's been blatantly telling him, telling her that I think I'm going to turn into a werewolf after he's, we've kind of, I skipped over, but I mean, he was visited by Jack a second time. Now the makeup on him is even worse. He looks very zombie like, which I still think it looks great. Yeah. He's slowly decaying. Even the last segment where we see him, it's still pretty good for sure. Every time we see him, he's more decayed. Yeah. yeah. And even, and we're going to get to the third one in a little bit, but that's, that looks phenomenal too. Like, and, and. Uh, oh yeah. Which is not, that's a puppet at that yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. But it's still, yeah. I mean, God, like I've seen CG that looks worse than that shit. Oh well, yeah. I just like the part before he leaves. And I mentioned it earlier that they're laying in bed talking and he's telling her, cause it kind of goes toward the end of the movie. It ties in about her talking. He's mentioning the 1941 Wolf. Yeah. And talking about how Claude Rains had to kill his own son because maybe werewolves can only be killed by someone who loves right. him and stuff like that, which they kind of touched that on that. In it's the, a slight the, knock, the honestly, Wolf for me, Man. because when they when they say that. It, it plants a seed of, OK, well, you know, when he tells her he loves her and she loves him, she's going to have to be the one to kill him. But it's not really the case. Kind of is, but not really. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's not really. But then after this, we get like we're talking about the doctor is slowly growing on us. He drives out to East Proctor on his own yeah. to investigate, you know, and hang out at the slaughter. But what's funny, they know he's an Englishman walking the door. They kind of treat him the same way they did David and Jack when they walk in there. Oh, like, no, they seem to be a little more. I don't want to say afraid, but like 
reserved about talking to him, but not like shunning him away as they did like Jack and David. Um, but it's during the day too. There's only a few of them in there. Yeah. I think they're worried he's a he's a, an investigator. He's right. At first, right. mm-hmm. once they realize he's not a cop, they're kind of like get the fuck out of here. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, but I. The, the other guy does get spooked and eventually does tell him that there's some crazy shit going on here again, which he yeah. should, yeah, because I mean, you know, now there's a, there's a werewolf in London. We like, this isn't just, he's not just trotting around on the moors eating rabbits, right? We, he's going to be in downtown Piccadilly square for God's sake. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, then you get the chess guy come out and yelling at him. That's enough. Yeah. You know, it's like, damn, I mean, is the secret really that bad? That They just don't want people to come to town? Right. Or are there actually, other than David, is there more werewolves? Well, that's, there? you know, we started to touch on this, and I actually wrote it down in my notes, is so what do we think is going on at the Slaughtered Lamb? I, and, and I like that they don't give us anything there, but I kind of wish I had a little more information as to what was going on, but... The, you know, the romantic in me about it is like, oh, no, I love that I don't get any of that information. But it would be nice to know some of that lore that they're hiding behind, you know. Yeah. But I mean, the only thing you can really garner is that this this pentagram with the candles protects them from the werewolf. Yeah. Right. That's, I, that's what I'm thinking. And that's they the all protection. know about the werewolf. Problem. But they all know werewolves are real. It's like that's their all that... secret to protect. Yeah. Like the town's secret. Which kind of plays into but, Eric's yeah. theory of, like, if it was your secret to protect, why wouldn't you be trying to con- confine this? Because, you know, you they they bandaged him up. They, they they took him to a hospital. They should have shot him right there on the moors with the other guy. Right. They should have killed yeah. all three of those dudes and buried him and no one had known the So difference. that's where the you know question I mean? comes from for me is, like, they know this werewolf is out there, yet they do nothing about David being marked by the wolf, so... It's almost as if they need the wolf there as sort of like a, a contract sort of thing. You know what I mean? But again, we don't we don't get any of this. You're only led to kind of figure it out, even if you're even thinking about that at this point. Yeah, it, like, yeah. I mean, the people in this pub are the most suspicious. Yeah. People in history. I mean, they're just like they couldn't be acting any more suspicious. Totally <laughs> sus. Like, er- yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally I mean, sus. Eric had pointed out earlier about if you did a prequel, is like, is there something set up with you know them protecting that way? That's what the pentagram and the candles and everything like that. Is there a paranormal thing that has haunted the city for hundreds of years or something like that? And they have to have somebody has to bear the curse of the wolf in their town, and there always has to be a bloodline that continues or yeah. something. I don't know. So I mean, if you want to start digging deep, that's the only thing I know of. Right. But yeah, I mean, again, we get nothing. Um, so that we we cut back to David, just to Bad Moon Rising. Again, fits the scene perfectly. Um, I do like him outside of the apartment uh, with the kids and the dog, and they're laughing at him, and the dog's barking, and then he has the, he has the run in with the cat at the window. Mm-hmm. Um, again, something they do here that I think is really smart, and it almost makes no sense that they do it, but. I love that they do is when he's wandering around the apartment, he opens the door, goes into the, or goes into the doorway of the building. He leaves the building door and the apartment door open and never closes them. So therefore, like if he, if he would have transformed 
he would have had to have gotten out of the apartment somehow. So instead of him like breaking out of a window and going to terrorize people, which leaves it more questionable later, he goes through the doors that he opened that he never closed. Yeah, it's it's like That's in his subconscious is the wolf telling him to unlock these right. things so he can get out. And he's planning ahead. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, like, the whole wild animal thing, I thought that's where you were going, is the pacing of him back and forth in the living room like a lion in a zoo. Yeah, well, Jason, I I was just about to say, I love that whole sequence where he's sitting around all day while she's gone. And, you know, he knows he's on a ticking clock from Jack has told him this, like, tonight is the night, right? And he's just, like, killing time. And like you say, he's nervous. Yeah, he needs to relax. He's in this apartment, and he's just, like, in this apartment just, like, trying to kill time just nervous walking around and i love that sequence Mm -hmm. it really builds tension for what's you know about to inevitably come yeah let me get the shot of the full moon yeah they cut back to her with the with the kid in the hospital at night and then it pans to that to that moon um and then the infamous transformation scene uh we don't need to talk about that eh. we're just gonna skip (laughs) (laughs) i really like that there's not a sound cue here. Like, if this were a movie made today, when he starts to change, it would have this whole, Bruh! like, it would, like, have this loud noise yep. that would come on, and then he would start to change. I kind of love that it's just him screaming in pain for the first couple of seconds. And, out of nowhere, he just, he's, like, reading a book, and all of a sudden, he just starts He just screaming. yells out, Jesus yeah. Christ, at yeah. the top of his lungs, and holding his head like his head's about to explode. And then we get the blue moon in the background, which, again, is comedic, again. And <laughs> we didn't talk about him in Jack's conversation the second time where he calls him a walking meatloaf. <laughs> I love that. That's so I funny. totally forgot during the transformation when he's like, all, you know, his body's morphing and everything. And he says, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to call you meatloaf, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to hear you guys' opinions on this uh, transformation scene. How do you feel about it now? How did you feel about it then? All that kind of stuff. I'll go if you don't go mind. for it. I mean, I love this. Is my werewolf thing here, dude. I don't, I mean, I, we watched it today. I've seen it how many times I know everything is mostly CGI nowadays and stuff like that, but kind of like how we talked about in the thing, which is funny how that kind of ties into this movie with the special effects, yeah. but, uh, it's, it stands up. I mean, even from the hand stretch scene where his paws are growing upward and he's sitting there staring at his hand, yeah the hair coming out slowly, the noises of his bones snapping and cracking as like his backbone pops up. You can hear it. I mean, it's still an unsettling scene at me going on 44 years old and however many times I've seen this movie. I mean, you watch it, you feel the pain that he's going through. Yeah, he's in agony. I mean, you saw Teen Wolf and it was just like, ah, he grew some hair. You know, No, this (laughs) is showing you you're turning into a werewolf. Yeah, being a werewolf is cool. But it fucking hurts yeah. <laughs> until you get there. So, I mean, every time it's just goosebumps. And Rip Baker, man, that is just beautiful. Right. Beautiful. And, I mean, he went on to win the freaking first Academy Award for Best Makeup yeah. with this with this movie and that scene pretty much alone. Right. And, uh, I mean, and then where we went to Michael Jackson's Thriller just because of that. Yep. So, but that's how I feel. I mean, oh, great. Eric, echo of that? Uh, you know, basically the same thing. Yeah. It, yeah, I mean, it's it's a classic image, and and yeah, the 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 snout growing, the moments they choose to you know, because they they had to pick moments 
to show, yeah. right? Because we we don't see every trans, it, you know, it cuts from different parts of the transformation, right. and some things you jump from one to the next. But like he said, it, it shows the the paw kind of growing out. It shows kind of the feet extending. It shows the spine kind of coming up. That uh, snout yeah. growing out from the face. Just great decisions made, and it all fits together pretty seamlessly. It looks it looks awesome, and it. And it is horrific and painful, and it's not a a fun transition to go through, you know. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's it's awesome. It's what this movie is known for, obviously. Ginny, yeah, I mean, what else can you say about it? It's it's a pretty scary uh, wolf in the end as well. Like if you were a kid, yeah, it reminds me very much of the nothing yeah. um, from Neverending yeah. Story. When it's the wolf mm-hmm. forms. Well, that's so. another thing I really love about this wolf in this movie is it's it's a it's a on four legs wolf like it's not this man like mm-hmm. wolf creature. He really takes the form of a wolf. Yeah, a very large. Yeah. Wolf. And and even very, when they do large. the close ups on the face of it, like the the puppeteering and everything with this thing just looks great. Eyes, the yeah, teeth, the yeah, like, yeah. Uh, there's, yeah, that the the brows and whatnot, the eye, yeah, the eye emotions and the eyes and things like that. But I love that they pick and choose what to show you with the transformation. Even with that, I do think some of the shots of David Naughton in the makeup looks kind of goofy. But, I mean, I can't really. He, they still pulled off something legendary here. Um, and, and whether or not it looks goofy or not shouldn't matter. And I mean, I'm just kind of being superficial about it at this point. I'm picking nits as, as you would say, but, um, I do think watching it now and, and, and how I feel about Jack's makeup, I kind of, I kind of like the makeup on Jack better throughout the movie as a, as opposed to like the transformation scene. I appreciate what they do with Jack through this a little more now, I think just because it looks oh, yeah. so good. I agree. Now, yeah. I'm going to throw something out here, see who's listening and who. What's better, that scene or the transformation in the howling, which was originally supposed to be done by Rip Baker, but got taken over by his protege, uh, Rob Bottin. Who worked on the thing. Who, who did yep. the thing, which that's we've already talked about that. So, I mean, that's kind of like anything you look up about these two movies, what was better? I mean, because that transformation scene in the howling, is really gruesome and pretty freaking scary when she's in the little hospital room. Well, you may hear us talk about the howling pretty soon, so I don't want to go too deep into that, but I will say... Well, we mentioned it in the thing stuff, too, that that, that Rob... Is it Botin? Yeah, Botin. Botin. No, it's actually Botin. I looked looked at Botin. Anyway, that guy... (laughs) Botin, damn it! uh, (laughs) He worked with Rick Baker, you know, as well. Um, So they, you know, they worked together and had some similar sensibilities and obviously they they both did a wolf scene at at around the same time and you could argue who did what there's one thing about the howling transformation that makes it a little lesser to me than the american werewolf transformation and it's because they cut to this animated wolf at the at the end of that sequence and it just kind of kills that moment for me well we also talked about the transformation in uh monster squad yeah, yep. yeah. That was actually pretty decent too. Yeah, yeah. If you recall, in the, in the telephone booth. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that one's pretty good too. That was but. pretty good too. It was pretty solid. Just saying. Okay. All right, now we get uh, David out. decides that he's actually hungry. Yeah. <laughs> he wants some wolf meat, as Josh said. <laughs> <laughs> he, he goes around and makes puppy chow out of the fine folks of London. I really like the scene in the tube. Oh, in the train station? Yeah, yeah. like the, the... The shot from up top? Uh, just all of it. That whole scene of, of the guy getting off the, the subway... You don't see any wolf in that entire scene, but it is really effective. I mean, that guy, you know, in the empty. Well, when he gets on the escalator, you, you can see the yes, you can see the wolf so cool. start to walk out of the shadows. Yes, shadow. And I think that's that part of that scene is so good and so oh. fucking creepy. And you, I mean, again, I mean, like they pick and choose what they show you here, and then you get to see the the wolf's face as it attacks sometimes. But yeah. I love that you can see the, the wolf just slowly walking towards the escalator. And then it cuts away real fast. But you, now, however many times you've watched that, how many times did you notice that? Because as a kid watch, I actually never even noticed the wolf because your eyes are focused on, are the, guy, on the guy. Yeah. And it was later in life that I saw David in wolf form walking out of the top of the screen, basically yeah. walking down. And he don't get he doesn't even get all the way in, I don't think. And then it's the lunge at the face. So, I mean, that's pretty creepy. Yeah, for sure. That's a good shot. But, I mean, we can't forget about the other people we killed along the way. I mean, these poor people that were going to a party. Yeah. Ah, who cares? Mangled in the backyard. I like when they cut to that shot of the arm mangled, and the guy just looks at it, and uh, we don't see what happens to the homeless guys. Well, we see the aftermath of the homeless guys a little later. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, there's there's no, like homeless hangout spot in that area in london anymore <laughs> <laughs> like that's all like tourist attractions now <laughs> uh, what, what the was, hangout I, spot is a tourist attraction <laughs> <laughs> no i mean you know just i going there somewhat recently i can't remember a few years ago but that and piccadilly circus you know with the with all the porn stuff is nuts it's kind of like looking at like old nyc uh stuff you know from the eighties or, or Hill Valley with all their, their, you know, <laughs> porn theaters and movies, stuff. Theaters. Uh, it's just, it's so bizarre to see. Oh, I noticed there were some state. movie posters in the hallway that he's running down. And one of them is see you next Tuesday or see you next Wednesday, next Wednesday, which, which is, which is the, the, mo the porn, porn movie they end up in later. <laughs> and fun fact, apparently, about, Oh, oh you're well, going to say, well, it. fun fact about a thr uh, thriller is in Thriller when they're when he and uh, Michael Jackson and the girl in the in the video are at the movies, they say something referring to "See You Next Wednesday" in the in the movie they're watching. Well, what I read was that uh, Landis tries to fit in "See You Next Wednesday" into like every project he does, be it a line or whatever. Huh. So apparently, that was kind of like a running gag that he did. That would, I, I don't. <laughs> that would make sense. I don't know any other examples than those two. But yeah. And one of the posters on the marquee outside of the theater in Thriller is the poster for his movie Schlock. Oh, nice. So yeah, he does a lot of that's little references. That would like be that. my favorite thing if I was a director or something. Would, would be like putting Easter eggs all throughout everything. Yeah. <laughs> hey, get me a poster from this thing I did twenty years ago. <laughs> Let me put that on the wall. But. During this time, the doctor and uh, Alex have started to kind of converse and figure out that David might, you know, 
might be a danger, whether you know, like like Eric said earlier, um, whether or not it's supernatural or not, it could be a danger to himself or others. So they're starting to look for and, and he's they're calling the the apartment, he's not answering the phone. Uh, again, this is where I start to have a little bit of a Alex is just kind of being uh, weird at this point for me because she's been a very strong character, but they they don't re- she really just sort of makes light of the fact that David, you know, who wakes up in a zoo and with, with wolves, wolves <laughs> start naked, uh, steals a boy's balloons <laughs> so he can get away. Start, yeah, an American naked man took uh, my yeah. balloons. <laughs> and uh, but when he gets back. And I like that they show him in line for the for the car with the red coat on. Coat on. <laughs> he is funny in the red coat. Yeah. That, that's a funny look. His, uh, funny the guy. red coats are coming. The red coats are coming. <laughs> I like that he says, weather's been doing weird stuff lately. <laughs> like <laughs> like you meant to go out like that. <laughs> it's hot. It's cold. I'm preparing for both. But Alex seems very nonchalant about the fact that he came home and he says, I woke up in a zoo and I was naked. And what, where did this coat come from? Like she can't be that naive. Well, I mean, she is taking him to the doctor at this point, right? Yeah, he said, I mean, bring her in because he read the paper. Yeah. Of the people. Being like, she was going to bring him to the doctor until the, the cabbie ruins it. Yeah. But, and it's but I agree. Like- she's, she's giving him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe where she should. Yeah, like she, she like, doesn't know him that well. She's, she's only known him for a few weeks. She seems know? very like lustful here when he gets back. I, I, like like none of that matters now. He's back and he's safe. Like it just seems like she throws it away. Like I agree, she does take it. You know, to agree to take him to the doctor, but it doesn't seem as like if I were her, I'd be like, "What? What do you mean you woke up in a fucking zoo?" Like I would I would have to be forced to start believing some of the things you're telling me. Whether or not I believe you're a wolf or not is one thing, but. Like, maybe you are a little crazy. Yeah, if you told me you woke up in a zoo, I would have some questions. Yeah. I mean, and she would be like, why didn't you take me to the zoo? <laughs> Probably and so. And I want to see the animals at the zoo. Fuck you for not taking me. But the thing I like is he gets back, and it plays into a lot of the uh, werewolf lore and stories later on and before it, that now he has fed. He's full of energy. He even says, I've, I've never felt this good. I feel like an athlete. Yeah. And yeah. he's like total hornball, too. He's he horny. Like on all, or like that whole oh, animal thing. He's that bloodlust, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he that is, wolf meat. He's got a belt. He's got a belly <laughs> fully wolf. human. Yeah. He wants to give her some wolf meat. That's what this seems like a good time but, for a better quote. You're going to need a bigger quote. Yes, let's do a better quote. A better quote? Is that what I said? Uh, that is what you okay. said. Learn your own segments. <laughs> well, Jason just took one of my favorite ones, and that's a naked American man stole my balloons. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I did get the taglines if you want taglines. Taglines. Yes. Do the taglines. Tag just your bloody taglines for you, sir. Okay, what we got here? <laughs> no, we're not doing this. Uh, it says John Landis, the director of Animal House, brings you a different kind of animal. Ooh. But and by which I read into this later that you know because he made Animal yeah. House, a lot of people went to see this movie thinking it was like Animal House and walked out. Wow. Mm. Be- because when the first 
werewolf attack, you know, it's bloody. They're like, this is not like Animal House or Blues Brothers. Well, if you're marketing the film with that line, hey, yeah. guy from yeah. Animal House made this, that's, and that's your own damn fault. It's a different kind it's of a marketing animal, problem. Right. But, uh, you know, and then we got Beware the Moon, a masterpiece of terror, and the monster movie. Mm. That's the only taglines I could find. A little... A little vague. I, I don't like any of those, on per usual. Those. Yeah. People need to give me a call. Ah. <laughs> Eric will do you your marketing call? for you, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know how well I would have done in 1981, being as though I was a fetus. Yeah. Probably didn't have any good ideas at that point. What being a fetus and all. <laughs> fetus. Uh, so, all right, guys, rocks the quotes. I got some. Uh, those sheep shit on my pack that was one of mine <laughs> uh sorry buddy do you want to go before i do all yours i'll take one <laughs> when they're talking to david in the hospital he says doctor my memory's fine it's my sanity i'm worried about damn it you stole mine <laughs> jenny steal somebody jenny, else's i just really like the uh-oh when <laughs> they wander off the trail it's <laughs> just so small and casual and the a lovely evening on the moors. La, 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 la. I've got one in that area too. He says, Where are we going? I don't know. I'll tell you when we get there. Yep. <laughs> when they're getting like, nervous. Uh, all right. Have you ever talked to a corpse? It's boring. Yep. That's one of mine. Uh, how about sure. Alex when she's talking to the little boy? Benjamin, have you ever been severely beaten about the face and neck? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, no. No. <laughs> that, that's a little concerning. <laughs> Uh, I like when Jack oh. shows up. I realize I don't look so hot, David. <laughs> uh, I like, I'm going to give you this one because it's kind of leading up to where we're getting. It says, look at me sitting in a porno theater in Piccadilly Circus talking to a corpse. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hmm. Uh, shout out to the dart player here, uh, David Schofield or Schofield. Yeah. Uh, he says, you made me miss. I like that. I never missed that board. Eight. Never Dude, missed the board. You made me miss. I swear, uh, Colin Farrell stole that line in the Daredevil movie when he's playing Bullseye. You made me oh, miss. Ah, yes. <laughs> Maybe you did. I never miss. In that classic film, Daredevil. Oh, that, you know, top-notch Marvel film right there. Batfleck. Uh, we got Alex who asked David if he's okay, and he goes, I don't know. I'll let you know the next full moon. I like that one. Yeah, he also says... Yeah, be rational. Sure, I'm a fucking werewolf for Christ's sake. <laughs> uh, when the doctor is at the uh, slaughtered lamb, and then the guy takes him, or the, he goes outside, and the guy tells him what's going on, and he says, "There's something wrong with this place." And the doctor says, "That much I understand." <laughs> That's pretty funny. I can tell you that by just looking at you people. There's something definitely wrong. We here. just passed this one, but uh, let's go back to your place for a quickie. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Hornball showed up. And uh, where we're at here now, dog. Um, when he gets in the theater and sees Jack, he says, you look awful. Jack goes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, David's trying to get arrested because he's found out that he probably killed six yeah. people. <laughs> Queen Elizabeth is a man. Prince Charles is a faggot. <laughs> Winston Churchill is full of shit. Shakespeare was French. <laughs> Fuck shit, cunt. <laughs> <laughs> His little tirade he goes on there is good. But again, like another prime example of David is making smart decisions. He's like, I know I did this. You guys need to arrest me. And like, nobody has any reason to believe that. Well, 
even even the 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 police later say it's not that hard to get arrested and i kind of agree with them punch the cop yeah slap him in the face yeah pull his pants down i mean do what you got to do to you know hit an old lady right not maybe not hit an old lady but you know you can do things other than just be like verbally abusive to a cop you can you know knock over a a hot dog stand i know there's they have a lot of those in london (laughs) i don't know Fish, knock over fish and chips, please. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can do more to get arrested, uh, can't you? I'm sure you could. I, As I'm watching, you tried hard like, enough. Yeah, you I'm, could if you if you. I mean, just steal something right. or or you know attack somebody, attack the cop, you'll get arrested. In no, show time. him your wolf meat. I don't know. <laughs> sure, <laughs> come on. Sure, do something. Yeah, Tr- trowel right there in the center of the area. Yeah, but I lipstick, mean, he, red rocket, <laughs> the old the old red, red rocket. rocket. Red rocket. Him with the red, red rocket, rocket buddy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's trying everything. Like, he's being the actual sane one, in a sense, there. Of, hey, I know I did this. Or please arrest me. Take me. Do something to me. Don't let me hurt anybody else. He has some morals. Yeah. You know, he's got a conscience. He's trying. But he's trying. He's, uh, but then he takes yeah. off, and he goes to the theater. Yeah. Let's ignite some passion and talk about see you next Wednesday. <laughs> well, well, I no. do like that they... They give us a minute for uh, to spend with David and show him some humanity. When he, I really like the call home. Yeah, with David, like yeah. he's decided uh, that he's going to do this, and yeah. yeah, he knows he's probably going to die tonight, yeah. and and he wants to talk to his parents, which you know is is sweet, you know, especially for an older, you know, like a twenty something guy. Yeah, I mean, he's at the end of his rope, and he wants to talk to his mom and dad, and it's kind of a bummer that he can't and he tells his little sister he loves her and yeah it's it's a bit of a heartbreaking a, moment for this movie it yeah. is it is a heartbreaking moment yeah. and Stop i like so that it's there it yeah. adds it adds depth to this film that yeah we so far haven't had so much of right it makes and you I care about he, david and you know nothing that you know I thought he was going to end it right there too in the in the phone booth i mean he pulls out the freaking swiss army knife and was about to couldn't quite, right yeah, there couldn't quite do it. But he couldn't do it. It's tough. And yeah, I mean, I I couldn't do it either. It would, I mean, what an impossible task, you know, particularly for somebody who doesn't want to die. You know, it's hard enough. Right. Um, yeah, but I, that is a great moment worth mentioning. But I mean, you're but at yes, this point. He's yeah. also only going off the word of others. Like he doesn't know what he's doing when he's transformed. He just knows that he's in this situation that it makes sense. So like he's literally having to put faith in the fact that this is happening and he doesn't even really know, like, you know what I mean? Like, right. It's just yeah. a weird, yeah, it's, it's a heartbreaking scene to watch. And like the situation is awful, uh, which is weird being in the middle of this comedy, you know, horror comedy movie, but they still play that beat really well for him. It's a great balance. Yeah. And, you know, mentioning something like, uh, uh, Shaun of the dead. Yeah. I think does the same thing. Yeah. They have moments of real sadness there uh, and real emotional beats that, you know, you don't always get in every horror comedy that are just like madcap goofiness. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. you get an actual real like moment there. It's so crazy the, how I've never thought of Shaun of the Dead in comparison to this movie. I guess it's because I haven't, I haven't really watched this movie that much in my life to know it that well. But I mean, I've watched it twice in a week now and I, I'm ashamed that I haven't watched this movie more because, I mean, 
I'm not giving too much away because I think I've said a lot, a lot already, but I love the I lo- fucking love this movie. Like, there's a lot to like here for me. Yeah, yeah they're definitely good. I mean, it's like the part where him, uh, David's talking, it's kind of like the part where Sean with his mom. Yeah. In the movie, you get that. That's a pretty exactly. bad scene mm-hmm. with yeah. his mom there in the movie. So, yeah, if, and like I said, you go back and you like you just watch that go go watch shauna did like again like in the next couple of days and there's a lot yeah. of similarities here a lot of them the humor everything it's a, a well lot i'm glad you brought up humor close. because now that we're in the theater like this is one of my favorite <laughs> scenes of this movie uh the comedy here of them trying to convince david to kill himself like oh my god dude it's hilarious I mean, dude, just think of the the concept of this scene, okay? You have a man, there, there's a, a porn film playing in the back right. I mean- of this film, right? He's talking to his dead friend who's now decomposed down to like almost skeletal <laughs> level. All his, and all his uh, victims are there in their out. bloody form. And they're, they're sort of suggesting different ways he could kill himself. Like, they're kind of debating, like, what's the best way he could kill himself? Well, you could shoot yourself. You could, yeah. uh, you know, hey, you could try this. You could try this. And it's just so absurd. Like, the whole scene is bonkers. And even Jack defending him. Like, Jack is dead pretty much because of David, in a sense. But Jack's even like, hey, that's my friend you're talking about here. When they're like, <laughs> he's like, you could hang yourself, but that might hurt. And he's like, I don't care if it hurts him. <laughs> Let him choke. No friend of mine. <laughs> Yeah, just I, I love the 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 couple. They're the ones that are the funny ones. They're like, oh yeah, just shoot yourself. Oh just yeah, put it in your mouth. I know where you can get a gun. Gun. <laughs> a gun. It's so funny. Yeah, they're very they're very light. Like some the other people are are very. Uh, the subway guy is really serious. Resentful for their deaths, but yeah. that couple for some reason is a great man. Yeah. They're just like, oh yeah, you should try this. Try that. Well, the other thing. It's also funny the 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 porn film. Yeah, as well. That's where I was about to go. Apparently, was was directed by John Landis. Like they shot it for this. <laughs> and I love that the guy walks in and neither of the people know him. Yeah. And he's like, "Oh, sorry," and he leaves. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! I'm like, what, the, what did I tell that? you the ne- about the next time? What do you mean, or something like that? And then, who are yeah, you? Like, oh, and he turns around. I've never seen you before in my life. Oh, okay. That's, it's, that's, and that's, then they get a call. Top, they get a phone call. It's like a wrong number or whatever, too. That's top-notch like, porn right there. That's top acting. But I like when that funny. scene ends, it cuts to David and Jack, and David goes, good movie. <laughs> <laughs> but where else would you expect Jack to be? To meet oh, him sure, and talk yeah. to him is at a freaking... Yeah, I like when he's standing in front of the theater and he just points to the door for David to come over. (laughs) He's like, dude, they're showing porn in here. That's that's all I could hear in his head. But that's I mean, that that's where I thought it was funny to begin with is the fact Jack's at a porn theater. Perfect sense. Jack's a bit of a perv. Yes. And he's the undead. Let him enjoy a little bit, I guess. You also kind of get the gag of when David starts to turn. He's sort of heavy breathing he's acting a little crazy and i mean of course the usher is going to come over and be like uh sir i like that (laughs) he just sits there and stares at him for a minute (laughs) (laughs) even when his freaking fingernails are coming out in his face and he's still standing i love that shot of the nails coming through his fingertips oh it like sends shivers down my back um but yeah when when they hear the screaming and the ticket lady sends the guy in to go check on it that shot of the wolf standing over the body is really good. Yeah, when he hits it with 
Yeah, when the flashlight yeah. hits him, it's like, bam. Now, I like this whole scene because I really think, I don't know if Landis did it on purpose, but to me, being a horror movie person, I really thought this was a throwback to The Blob. Yeah, I thought the same thing, yeah. dude. Like, Yeah, like the whole thing in the theater when everybody's rushing out and then it comes through the doors. Yeah. and I really got a Blob feeling for this whole scene. I need to go back and watch The Blob. I mean, it, it's blob. it's true for the, the original and the 80s one. Like, they, 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 did, they do the same it's thing in both movies. So, but yeah, like, it really has that old The Blob feel to it right there. I thought I thought the yeah, same. And thing. All standing out there holding the doors in, and the, it's trying to get out. Yeah. I thought that was so cool the way they did that. That is cool. And from this point forward, like everyone in this area forgets how to drive for some reason. Right? Oh my god, it's insane. Like there's a yeah, there's a wolf has broken out, but everyone crashes their car immediately. <laughs> <laughs> now, is I mean, it's, a, it's fun, but it makes no sense. But everyone crashes their car. All at the same time. It runs over everybody. <laughs> yeah. and, and oh, David that dude was... that gets thrown from the bus and then gets run over oh, yeah. after that? Oh, my oh, God. Man, Where your seatbelt, folks? I mean, I, obviously, I, they don't have that on a bus. but Yeah, that's true. I like the part where David busts through the doors when the inspector Villiers or whatever, yeah. the, the main inspector shows, and he goes right for the neck, bites it, and then rips the head off. I mean, you see it bounce down. <laughs> bites his head off. Yeah, that one's good. Yeah, that guy was, was a like, dick anyway. He was. So yeah. He, that was enjoyable watching him get his head ripped off. But that's the thing I want to know. Is David responsible for everybody that dies now? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he me, did cause the disturbance. So I'm like, are all these other people, if he didn't die, is he responsible for all these bodies following him around everywhere? Well, you really have to give stuff? props to the editor right here because the way this scene's edited together makes it probably a lot more gory and, and carnage-filled than oh, it really would have looked. Yeah, you know what I mean? But the way they cut to each each death and each car crashing into one another, like all the editing right there is great, and how you get these little flashes of the wolf walking through the square and everything. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just a little weird. There's and I like all the all the stunt crashes and you know there's multiple people that go through the windshield and stuff like that. Yeah. There's some really nice like stunt work stuff in there. It just doesn't totally add up to why you know like. Like you say, you don't see much of the wolf. I want to see why they're why they're crashing. I want to see, you know, and I know you're limited by what you can do visually, but yeah. it's a little, and I guess it's on purpose over the top. Yeah. The movie's over the top, so whatever. But like, there, once he breaks out of the theater, there's like there's like ten cars all just wreck on top of each other. Like like people are driving through Piccadilly Circus at at. 45 miles per hour <laughs> and if somebody crashes this is a pile up you know it's it's crazy but but that this is uh, the scene it's fun i love the scene it's enjoyable. yeah i mean this is the scene make a lot that got me interested in this movie because this is the scene they actually cut to in the making of thriller um that shows you a little piece of what what michael liked about american werewolf and like all of that stuff so i saw this scene a lot watching that and um it starts it starts with the uh, doctor coming in to talk to Alex, and he's like, "This is Tobin's in Piccadilly Circus." Or like, he's talking to Alex. <laughs> I just a vivid memory, like I know that <laughs> scene like by heart. You know, like right. And uh, but yeah, I mean, so the, Alex and the doctor finally show up on the scene. Like they realize that it's day, or you know, she has this brilliant spur of the moment. Oh, maybe all this is true, and it is David. Um, and then she has her little last ditch effort to try and help him. 
I'd like how she bust through the crowd, went through, knocked the whole rifle guys down. They had, they were lined up ready to shoot, knocks them down, you know, freaking breaking through the goal line stance there, like in a freaking football game. <laughs> goes right through them. This little woman, bam, pull back out of the way. Yeah. And she goes up there and you, I, I liked it, but that's the thing. I always wondered, you know, the whole thing of the don't corner a wild animal. Yeah. And he's cornered. He's in the end of an alley. He has nowhere to go. And that's kind of scary when you see when she's she's looking at him, and then you see him. And he's just yeah. I mean, that he's look in his eyes. You're like, you get that know. moment where he looks like he recognizes her, but then he kind of. Do we think he does? Do aggressive. we think that he recognizes her, or do you think the wild is just there? And I don't think he recognizes her. No. I feel like there's a moment where his eyes soften. Yeah. For a moment, and then and then they become. I think he is about to kill her when they shoot him. Uh, or is he wanting to kill her because he knows that the gunman will kill him and it's over? Oh. That's the way you got to think about It's like he knows it has to end. So. Oh, are you saying I, he's doing like suicide by cop kind of thing? Yeah, or? like he knows if he lunges at her. They'll shoot. That makes sense. Hey, they were a pretty good shot to not hit. Yeah, how did they not hit? Yeah, like she's standing right in the front. I was going to talk about this. Like she's standing right in front of him, and like once you hear trained snipers, man, these guys don't miss. Dude, they're from that movie Wanted. They curve the bullets. (laughs) They they do like this, and it goes around her. You think she would at least like she she would have at least dropped to the ground or something once she heard a gunshot? But no, she's still standing there stiff. And yeah, it's it's crazy that that they actually got him there, but. I, but you know, respect to the to the filmmakers for. I think they really stuck the ending here. Yeah, just cut to black. I mean, he's dead. He's human again. He's riddled with bullets. Roll credits. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I I like that. I appreciate that. That's what the ending was going to be the whole time because that's what they said was going to happen, and they commit to it. They didn't pull some bullshit where they find a way out of it or whatever. Like, yeah. He's been cursed he and die. he's gonna die. Like that's it. And uh, well, this is I love I love the ending. I think the ending is yeah, great. I think the ending is great as well. Um, but it leads me to a question that we've asked on some of these shows before: Is does does this movie need a remake or a reboot? No. Well, the, the remake's probably already in the works because I've been reading about it for like really a lot for the last couple. And the main years. reason I bring that up, and a lot of what we've been talking about here, the ending for one in general, like. If they remake this movie or they do this movie now, it's going to be chock full of so much stuff that's not going to be necessary. The stuff that they left out of this movie that makes this movie good, in my opinion. Like, you know, when this movie ends here, it's, you know, he's dead, cut to black, we're over. Um, They did this a lot in the 80s. We talked about it last week on Adventures in Babysitting, how that movie just kind of ends right there at the end of the story. Uh, Nowadays, there's always seems to be this need to fulfill the ending and, like, give you a prologue at the end of it and stuff. And I don't think it's necessary a lot of the time. Epilogue, but yes, uh, I, it's weird asking that question now because or with this movie, because this movie is kind of derivative of other Wolfman movies. Right. You know what I mean? Like I could see them making another Wolfman movie, certainly with the universal. Uh, they already are universe. With Gosling playing. Oh, okay. Wolfman. There you go. I mean, like That's you say, happened. they just did the mummy movie. They're trying to do the universal monsters again. So, yeah. Another wolf movie, another werewolf in London movie? No, definitely not. Don't need that. But another wolf movie, that a wolfman movie, that could be something. 
Gosling, I love Gosling. I'm about to say Jenny's gonna go see it anyway, just because Ryan Gosling. Yep. Gosling. Same here. I'm hot for Gosling. Me too. I <laughs> do. Love the you like his wolf meat? You you want his wolf meat? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of wolf meat, let's get to the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good, the bad, the ugly. Would anybody like to start? <laughs> I'll start. I don't have much here. Um, good is, of course, the effects. Yep. Uh, it's kind of a no-brainer. Bad. I'm gonna say uh, balloons are not a are are not a great way to cover your nakedness, <laughs> especially only like five balloons. <laughs> Like maybe if you had like 20 balloons and like a big balloon, you could kind of wear it as like a a big surrounding your body as a bunch of balloons, you know? But like five balloons, like why not ask the kid for his jacket or something or or get a trash bag or something? It made no sense to go after. It was a funny moment, I guess. Well, I mean, it's just a funny gag to lead to the coat because he does snatch the coat from the old lady on the bench, so... Yeah, it's yeah. just I, him running around with balloons. They're not hiding anything. <laughs> well, maybe he just needed a small balloon. He's not Michael Fiasco. <laughs> so he didn't mind if it had small balloons. So it, it, yeah. didn't, it didn't have to hide much. And I don't have any ugly for this. This is a solid flick. Yeah, I agree. It holds up great. Jason, how about you? This is a uh, werewolf territory for you. You, you. Let's let's see what's good, what's bad, what's ugly. <laughs> um, the good for me, of course. Rick Baker's work in this monumental from here on. Yeah. I mean, it set a standard in Hollywood for everything. And I mean, without Rick Baker, we wouldn't have got Rob Bottin with his stuff. So therefore it carried on even through the thing and on through the howling and everything like that. Um, as far as werewolf movies go, it's, if it's not at least one of your top three, depending on what kind of werewolf movies like, if you want them to look like wolves or if you want them to look like men, it's definitely up there but yeah the the good is just the trend is set it set the bar high and i still think even movies nowadays sometimes don't even reach that because of their the shitty cgi that people try to make werewolf movies with right my bad is going to go back to that because it spawned that shitty fucking sequel american <laughs> werewolf in paris with the cgi werewolves like rip Dude, that movie is pretty it, terrible. It is. That movie is fucking terrible. So as my bad, it's just the fact that it it led to that sequel that was nowhere near no. the original. I agree. So, but yeah, there is no ugly. Well, I guess you could call that movie ugly. It's bad and ugly. There you go. It's good and terrible, but no good. But uh, yeah, that's that's my good, bad, and ugly. All right, Jenny, what you got? Can I go last? Because I have a a question. Okay. Uh, well, the good for me is I'm going to echo the same thing these guys did, uh, the makeup effects. Uh, the pacing is really good in this movie. Like, it is a brisk 97 minutes. Like, it gets you started and, and you're gone. Like, it's it's such a good pace. The comedy, I think, hits really well, especially now that I'm older and understand a lot of it. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it hits pretty good. Uh, the moon theme with all the songs and all that stuff. Um I think that all matches the tone of the movie pretty well. And uh, Jack's makeup, I think, rivals the transfer- transformation scene for me, at least nowadays. Um, so that's another good thing. Uh, yeah. The bad, I will say, I don't really care for Dave Naughton's dr- dramatic acting. I think he hits his comedy beats really well, but when he's got to be dramatic, I don't think he's that great. So that's the only thing I could really knock about this movie is... Uh, you know, 
Jack is the charismatic character. We've said that already. So, I mean, I feel like I would have liked a lot more Jack in the movie as opposed to David, but that's not the, the way the story goes. So that would just be what I would knock it for. Um, the good for me is also makeup effects, but more specifically, Jack's makeup and its decay kind of as a like visual marker for David's losing his grip on like a ticking clock. Yeah. Like who he is and he's he's gonna become the werewolf and there's nothing he can do about it. Um so I think that is really cool. And then the bad for me is the sex scene. It just doesn't do it for me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Oh, boy. Well, you said you had a question. I have a a question. So. Lay it on us, Jenny. There's two werewolf (laughs) transformations Uh on two back-to-back nights. Yep. So werewolf experts tell me how. Because when the full moon it, it hits, it, it's basically full for two nights because it has to go on the increase and the decrease. So he can do it for two nights. Did Jason answer your question? Yeah, but I just don't I I don't think that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but that's the thing. That's what I mean. Because if you look at the moon, it's basically full for pretty much two nights. Still, there you is only the one night on the Red, lunar yeah. calendar lunar that is a clock. full moon. But that's what they're going to go with. I think Professor Lupin would disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. She had to work uh, Harry I just Potter Googled this. Oh, 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 there we go. I asked the Google. Oh, Google Assistant. Okay. Uh, it says, uh, the moon appears full to the eye for two to three nights. Note that the full moon, blah, 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 blah. I'll just stick with that first sentence. But uh, it appears to the, full to the eye for two to three months is what we'll say, hmm. uh, which might be all it takes for to trigger the old transformation. Mm. It's, a, it's an issue for me. If what you're saying is that the science of werewolves doesn't hold yeah. up, I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember, it's, it's like vampires and werewolves. I mean, in this movie, uh, they even make a joke about a silver bullet, and they laugh yeah. at it. Right. Yeah. So that doesn't take, you know, so. Don't be ridiculous, know. yeah. Yeah, and in some movies, silver can kill vampires, but it's usually sunlight, garlic, and a steak to the heart. But All right, so the million-dollar question, is this a horror comedy or a comedy horror movie? Does it matter? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know that there's a distinction, but I would say that this is a horror comedy because it's not full on slapstick goofiness. It's, it's got a, it's got a core of horror to it that is legitimate with some humor. I happen to agree with you. Yeah, I agree with Eric, but in some of the instances, they label it as a black comedy. Since we decided this is a horror movie, we're going to go with Top Kills. Top Kills. I didn't know we were doing this. <laughs> Josh is always dropping I knew the there was a reason he asked us if it was horror comedy or comedy horror. Because if it was comedy horror, we would not be doing Top Kills. It's a horror movie. Why wouldn't we be doing Top Kills? Because nobody texted, hey, we're doing Top Kills. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going first, so nobody takes mine. <laughs> 
we, Rocket we might all have the same one, so. <laughs> Mine is when the person gets thrown from the bus and then gets run over by a car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going totally, you're going just from the, the chaos of Piccadilly Square or Circus, whatever it's called. Yeah. Jason, how about you? Ooh, I don't know. This one's hard. I kind of like, I like them all. I mean, there's great kills, but I like the suspense and the dread of the shot from the top of the escalator of a David Wolfarm coming in to kill the guy on the escalator. I think that's the most dread scare other than the face with the eyes and the teeth that still sticks with me scare. But as far as just scariness of a scene, I like that one. All right. All right. Well, I'm going with Jack. I mean, it's the first kill of the movie and it's bloody and it's pretty what it leads to for, of us being able to see Jack's decay throughout the movie. Like, I think it's just brilliant. Have you come up with anything, my dear? I'm going to go with, uh, the death of David as a human. All right. Mm. Pretty sad. Yeah. yeah she went deep. Pretty dark. Uh, Pretty deep. dark. I'm going to go cry. You might have got any, like, <laughs> I need a beer and some, like, drugs of some sort. Antidepressants. <laughs> I'm going to go, go cry in the corner now, Jenny. Thanks a lot. <laughs> well, that's our conversation about American Werewolf in London. I'm so glad in we did London? this. In London? What? In London. <laughs> yeah, in London. <laughs> what? You know what What's I'm happening? talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Have you guys ever watched Friends? Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. oh that that's your thing in yeah. In London. I'm more of a Parks and Rec kind of guy. Yeah, I I've seen all of Friends, but I don't get your reference. I'm sorry. Sorry, Jenny. Karen, if you're out there, you know. You know, you know. Well, I'm so glad we ended up doing this one. And, and, I mean, again, I'll just say, like, I love this movie. I think it's very unique. And, and, like, it it has this really good balance between horror and comedy. And uh, there's a lot left open-ended that I really like. And it kind of lets you stir on it a little bit. So that's... I'm so glad we did this one. I'm glad we talked about it. It was a, something that I haven't seen a lot, so I don't have a whole lot of nostalgia for it per se. And we were able to kind of get a, a, a fresh take and sort of talk about it with fresh eyes a little bit. So I, uh, I really enjoyed doing this one guys. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun, but uh, we're actually going to revert back to the wheel of movies this week. Cause I haven't. Oh shit. Scheduled any other stuff. Wheel of fish. <laughs> so I'm going to spin the wheel. We're spinning. We're spinning. No whammies. No whammies. Does anybody want to take a guess? I don't even know what's on there. Nobody does yeah, except I me. Guess. <laughs> yeah, nobody knows. Is it, uh, is it, uh... <laughs> I don't know. What's I don't funny know. is Josh probably went in and entered the same movie for every one of them. So he I did not actually. Were. I will show Jenny that there are different movies on. There. <gasps> is that what we're doing? <laughs> oh my god! Yes. Josh made it stop. I should just stop, stop now and let everybody wonder what yes, it is we're doing. Yes, yes, yes. 
Let's let Jenny tell us what it Jenny. is. Let Jenny tell us. What, what are we watching next week? The never-ending story. Oh. Oh my so, god. So we get to so we get to watch another werewolf. Basically, movie? yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. My Artex, whole no. childhood. Oh. Oh Artex, man. No. I, oh god. I'm gonna cry. Yeah. Why do we have to watch yeah. this? I don't want to need ready. more drugs and alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sit in the corner and cry again. Hello. So, uh, all right. Uh, the Wheel of Movies has determined we are watching the never-ending story for next week's show. So I hope everybody is excited for that. I know a lot of us probably have a lot of nostalgia for it. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> I promise. Say my name. I promise, Eric. I shake my fist at you. I promise you guys, there are movies on there that you like. It's not going to be just Jenny movies, I swear. Why is that just a Jenny movie? Oh, it's oh, it's a Josh movie, too. Trust me. So, But you're probably the one who put it on the main list. Obviously. That's what I think. I, I think at. Jenny was one of the ones who recommended it. But I think we all, whenever we were given our lists, we're like, oh, yeah. we'll, we'll do that movie. So. I haven't watched it in a while. I mean, I've definitely watched it many, many times, but not in a while. All right, everyone. We hope you had a good time listening to us talk about an American Werewolf in London. We'll be back next week with a never-ending story for everyone. Please hit us up on the social medias. Send us an email if you have any questions, suggestions, or movie recommendations. And until next time, everyone, be kind and rewind. We'll see you. It's over. It's over. Fuck out. You've been listening to the VHS Files podcast. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and drop us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcast. It was fun. <laughs> Send your questions, comments, and movie suggestions to VHS Files Podcast at gmail.com. Don't you blame the movies? Follow us on all social media outlets at VHS Files Podcast. Movies don't create psychos. Check out our YouTube channel for more content. Movies make psychos more creative. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Ah. Well, what happened here? I it just came out of my mouth. Ah. Ah. No. Ah. No. Ah. no. Well, this will be edited out. No, they just did what they thought was cool. I, I, I notice. I, believe me, I, I notice you, Josh. I see you there. I see you there. I'm sorry for talking. I'm sorry we're not talking about something you like. How dare you, dude? Does it look like his face is going like this? I got to. It's like smushing my brain.